Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping episode 153. I'm M. I'm joined by Jackson. I swear to God, I almost did the thing again. Uh, you've never done that on this podcast before. So I no know, one knows what but about. I'm just telling you that somehow my brain has continued to be scrambled. Uh, yeah, you one time on one podcast got it wrong and said, I'm Jackson, here's M. And now, <laughs> yeah, now you're like, brain. oh, I'm going to say it every time. And I don't know how this happened. Uh, we know who we are. We know who we are. <laughs> uh, it's gaming time. Gaming. Uh, you had a bonus episode while I was gone about uh, Majora's Mask. That That's was true. a really good episode. Yeah, uh, I quite liked it. Uh, I was I was like, oh, am I going to still do it? Because uh, Novel.do did their uh, Majora's Mask episode, which you can go listen to. Uh, I'm going to say those are extremely different episodes of Majora's Mask. Yeah, I was, I was worried it was going to be a thing, but then it turned out not because I, I had Crystal on, which was a great guess, great choice, because I, I was worried. I didn't, we never wanted to do a Majora's Mask episode. You just wanted me to play it, and I was like, I would yeah. like to have a podcast, but... We didn't want to do one because we know what we'd say. It'd be a boring episode. It'd be a very boring episode. So I had Crystal on, who is a Zelda expert, and I wanted to have a more like high-level Zelda position and culture yeah, it's much conversation. more about Majora's Mask as a cultural object, which yes. I thought was interesting. Yeah, and I, I was very happy with how that came out. Um, so please go listen to that uh, if you think you might be interested. Yeah. Now you got to play Wind Waker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I will at some point in my I'm life. Not push- I'm, not, I'm not pushing you to play any fucking Zeldas ever again, so... I will at some point play Wind Waker, probably. If you know, unless I am basically out of games that I'm like, oh, I really want you to have played this for my sake. Do I have any of those for you? Because I'm always kind of like, I'm always kind of insecure that it's always gone the other way. But that's because of you know how we come to games. And I just already played Jet Set Radio Future, so yeah. I mean, that was that was one of them. You now you've now now played Jet Set Radio Future more than me, technically. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't really have anything like that necessarily on the other way. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think, but no, um, not really. Well, um, gaming this month. Let's talk about it. I've got a thousand things. I'm yeah, sorry. I don't. Do I have a single thing? Because again, wrist situation is what it is. Continues to be what it is. Um, You've been busy. Also, we had four games. It did take some time. Yeah. Also, I played one of those games for a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You were really into one in particular. I bet the audience can guess which one right off the bat. <laughs> uh, yeah. The best game we covered this month. <laughs> it's not a competition <laughs> i mean i do think that but also it's not a competition we've got some good games this month yeah uh, i'm very happy with this grab bag i mean here's the thing is like on some level you're right it just didn't really work for me. we'll talk about it anyway uh well, let's talk about the shit i actually played uh and by played i mean played the first half of them and watched the rest on youtube i played signalis <laughs> Uh, well, no. So you played Signalis and you said to me, you said, now I have a little couple of problems with these games. I think the inventory management is too tight and I keep switching to my flashlight or whatever. It's a bit annoying. And then about 15 minutes later, they patched <laughs> all that shit like out of the two game. Days, two days after I gave up. Yeah, they put out a patch and changed a lot of that. Um, Signalis is a two kind of i guess it's lo-fi 3d but it's like a top-down survival horror game where you're a robot in this weird space work camp that's all one the thing about signalis that you must know is that it's it's takes the aesthetics of creepy east germany as like evil communism and just fucking runs with it it's like cartoonish and stupid Uh, that's the stuff I have. Apologies to the, apologies to the German devs who probably feel a certain way about it, but your thing is cartoonish and stupid. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, the the representation of East Germany and culture is ridiculous in many ways. 
Um, and then uh, it's a story about like identity because these all these robots are like soma wise they're like based on like the the mental scans of people and so they start to have these emergent memories and personalities come out and your robots looking for like a woman who it turns out to be like she had like a relationship with as they both began to recapture their memories blah 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 um and then you fight a bunch of guys and that that the fighting guy is actually pretty good the story the, the cutscenes are really like arty and fun um i like the aesthetics of it a lot uh i don't really care for the overarching story and like world setting very much and it did have the intense problem where um because private property is illegal in this communist dystopia you can only hold six items more than that is hoarding <laughs> and against the will of the state <laughs> that's not even what private property is that's personal property I, yes i know <laughs> this is how stupid and cartoonish their world building is but it, it forces me to say even stupider more cartoonish things saying a video game inventory is not private property a video game inventory is personal property which is the yes. dumbest thing anyone could ever say out loud <laughs> Podcast. Listen to me, stupid. I've been dragged yes. into the world. Yes, I had argument. this exact experience playing the video game. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the inventory image is just so brutal because you go through the game and you're like, okay, I got to clear out the enemies. But some of the enemies respawn. And I go to my, I gotta drop all my weapons and healing items, and then go back empty-handed to pick up all the shit I need to pick up. And it just wastes your time. Like the game's only like six hours anyway, but like half that time is fucking backtracking. Just make your game normal. It's it's really hard. I mean, I understand what the, like I assume this is just like the fucking challenge of making this game is the like Resident Evil Two uh, is basically balanced. So I ha always have just enough for everything, but also I have to be a little like stingy. I have to make some choices, but it's not constantly. I need to do a second run without weapons because I can't pick up all the shit you put in the world. Uh, and I just imagine it's really easy to overtune that. Like if especially if you've got yeah. good at the game, right? Like. Um, it's a very difficult thing to balance the level of resource management. It's hard. It's hard to make a video game. So I sympathize with that. And I did see they patched it like right after you stopped. Yeah. But like there was no expectation of a patch. The game had been out for like a year. Like it was just, you know, totally outrageous. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was for their like year anniversary. And I was playing it like right before that. So I don't think it was like announced. I don't, like it was definitely a, just a bad timing thing. But I yeah. do understand how that like frustration point emerges. I bet it is hard to make a Resident Evil game. Um, then I played Heretic, the 1994, it's a uh, Raven software game. I mean, it says id, but it's Raven. Does it say id? Um, on backlog, it says by id software, Raven software. I mean, it like, it's like, you know, id's involved. They're, they use their technology and stuff. Okay. Um, John Romero made like half the levels. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was, that. okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, Heretic is a Doom clone in the traditional sense. Um, it's a fantasy world instead of a medieval or instead of a sci-fi world. Um, there's this whole thing about these evil elves that are called the Serpent Riders. And you're the one elf who hasn't bought into their weird new religion. And that's why you're the heretic. And, um, the main thing with this is it introduces an inventory that you pick up items. It was like a double, there's like a, you know, double the effectiveness of your weapons. There's like heal spells. There's like defensive buffs that you just carry with you at all times. Um, and that stuff's pretty neat. I think the level design is really good in this game, but the weapons are bad and the enemies are boring. And thus heretic is pretty mid. Um, Damn. The I weapons mean, just don't feel very like there's a really good crossbow. It's like your shotgun equivalent that you get pretty early on that fires like these energy crossbows that like split out. Um, but, like, all of the bigger guns, like your plasma rifles and rocket launcher equivalents, are just terrible, like, little... The weapons don't sound good, and they don't feel good. 
And, and it, that part's really uh, unfortunate. It just really hurts the game. Also, there's like about four enemies in the game and it like, and then some palette swaps that are not interesting. Uh, enemy variety is just really lacking. How long is it? I mean, three episodes of eight to seven to nine levels a piece and doom length. Well, that could be like an hour to three. Hours. I don't know how long the levels are. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I played it over a couple nights. Okay. It, it is it is it is not quite as complicated as Doom Two, but it is approaching Doom Two. But I think it is has better level design than Doom Two. It's about uh, that size. Well, it's mostly Romero, you said, so I would expect so. <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah. I want to play Hexen, the sequel to Heretic, and uh, I hope they fix a lot of the problems. It just needs better weapons and more enemies. Um, but I was mostly left kind of blah about the whole thing. Uh, that is the um perennial issue with the like first entry game is there's just not enough enemies or levels in this yeah um technically they had made a game before that um called uh nope i'm not gonna be able to find it off the top of my head um but there is a there is another one of these was it okay. mage slayer no that's 97 i don't know they I made another first person game that i think is more rpg before they had made this one okay. um and i haven't messed with that Dia was talking to me about it because, of course, she was. <laughs> yes. Um, Shadowcaster, I think, is the name of that game. You could have said anything, and I believe you. Anything vaguely yeah. 90s, and I'd be like, yeah, sure. Raven Software made Shadowcaster. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, kind of disappointed in that. I played Jusant. Oh, uh, I played the, about an hour the, of Jusant, but yes. Okay, the Don't Nod game, um, which is a climbing game um, with, like, really physics driven like climbing mechanics where you you have to use your sticks to move your hands and grab on like each trigger is a different hand i feel like this would be the worst game for your wrist situation to play um because it's just grabbing triggers tightly <laughs> the entire game um yeah it, it's actually like rapid pressing that's worse oh okay which is a real bad um, for my hya 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 addiction that's true um i thought you saw it was mostly just okay i like it i like some of the levels when it's mostly just climbing focused there's like a really good level there's wind blowing toward like in the back third of the game um where you're, you have to wait for the wind to hit the certain things so you can make these incredible leaps with the wind help bolstering you um i think there's too much story which is all like voiceless cutscenes, and then like logs you pick up of the civilization ruins you're walking through um they're just too it's just too much there's just way too much and um not enough platforming i think the game is just kind of like it just seems kind of directionless and overburdened even though it's like a three-hour video game <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed what i played but i did feel like it was simultaneously uh directionless but also like a little too railroaded if that makes like yeah. when you are yeah when you are climbing things so long as you're vaguely putting in the right direction, your hand's always going to go in the right place. So I just feel like yeah. it's kind of busy work as I'm going through the thing. Um, occasionally I'd get lost in some puzzles. Weird, weird. My my favorite part of the early game was like when it was doing the rope swinging stuff. I really liked the rope yes. swinging because it had like the room for exper- like platforming. Like it had more platforming stuff to it. Like the open space. The thing with the rope swinging is the rope swinging is when the physics break the most. And I find that very frustrating. Yes, I can see that being annoying because at that point it's like because when it's doing the climbing stuff, it is operating kind of on Tomb Raider rules where uh, there's no like middle ground to anything. There's no physics uncertainty. Yeah. It's like I know it's not on quite on a grid, but it is grid esque. If like I know exactly like it's a lock and key platforming system kind of. I know where to go. I yes. know how to do things, uh, and not a Mario physics based like momentum platforming system. Yeah. 
Um, so it's left mostly kind of like there's parts I liked. It's on Game Pass. Like it's worth playing on Game Pass. I don't <laughs> think I'd spend money on it. I did the classic Game Pass if I played for an hour and said maybe I'll go back and then didn't because it was on Game Pass. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to actually finish that one uh, just to see where it was going. Um, inexplicably, still kind of pulling for Don't Nod, even though they haven't really made anything in a long time that I care about. <laughs> they must have made something decent in that time. I mean, I like Remember Me. That's them, right? You never played Vampire, did you? No, I didn't. It seemed too long. Yeah. Remember uh, a decade ago. Yeah. Then I played Valis 3, um, the 1990... Uh, video game for i play okay so i played the turbo graphics version of this turbo graphics cd um it's the third valis game valis about yuko who is a japanese girl who also has like some weird birthright about the mat from the magical world of Vacanti, where she like had a goddess is bequeathed upon her a magic sword and she has to go and save the realms real like 90s 80s 90s ova bullshit uh bikini warriors action game you know mm-hmm. um and I, I enjoyed the first two games. And uh, the third one is truly ridiculous. It has a dub from the era for the TurboGrafx CD, um, which means that the localization is fucking dog shit. And all of the voices are terrible. Um, but the game slaps. And I played it. I enjoyed the game quite a bit. It's got like a Castlevania 3. There's two other girls. They each have different mechanics and you switch between them. Um whenever you want uh with like the select button um and then i played the genesis version which is much worse as a game like it has fewer levels and i th- just it moves slower it just doesn't have the sh- the stuff but um it has a much better localization because they didn't have to record cutscenes for cd-rom um it just is like nice text localization so the story makes fucking sense this time um but the game is worse um but also you could just like pretty much cruise through those are games where like i play the first half normally and then when i start to hit the like the ninja gaiden wall i'm just like okay let's put on cheats and see the end of the video game <laughs> many many such cases yeah <laughs> um but uh there's only one more valis and then i'm done i i think after that they, there was another valis that was like a fucking phone porn game that happened in the aughts uh something like that not going to play that <laughs> mm-hmm. um I did finish Flower, Sun, and Rain. You can watch that on Dia's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Dia That game is incredible. Um, that's all I have to say, But because you can watch us play the entire thing. Uh, I just wanted to note that we did finish it, and that game is really fucking good. Yeah, you fucking loved it. It was like your yeah. highlight of your week every week for the seven weeks you were doing that. I mean, I just like hanging out with Dia also and like yelling about a video game. Yeah, but like the times that you've done that and it's been like a fun game have been, you still enjoy it. But oh, like, it's much better it, when the games are good. Yes. Occasionally you play one of your favorite games ever, like Gabriel Knight 2. Oh, or... you mean two games in a row that were just really good? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, we're currently playing Dagger of Amon Ra, which seems fine, but it's not going to, it's not going to hit like those. Like, I just know that's true. That's, that's which is fine. Probably good. Like, you don't want to like yeah. aim for that every time. No, we couldn't keep it up if we... There aren't enough games like that in the world, if even if we wanted to. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on Thanksgiving, um, I just had some downtime and I played The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, the April Fool's visual novel that Sega put out this year. Uh, people really fucking like that. It's really good. So it's like Amy Rose rents out this train for her birthday and invites everyone to come and do a murder mystery party. Um 
And then th- th- something weird happens in the train and like the powers cut out when they come to Sonic's out. And it seems like maybe Sonic was actually murdered. But uh, Amy thinks that Sonic's just playing along and you're the like train conductor. Like it's your first day on the job being your train conductor. And you have to tra- you're, you've been admonished to make sure all these rich guests are very happy because Sonic the fucking hedgehog is here. And so you have to kind of follow along with Tails, who's like the detective putting together the mystery of what everyone was doing when the power went out on the train cars um gathering it's like it's like a phoenix right where you go to different locations and you gather all the clues but then instead of a trial you just do like a little like sonic bonus stage and it gives you the answer <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> it's like an hour and a half long it's very cute i had a good time with it and the characters are very well written um why don't they do this more like everyone likes the sonic characters and they've basically spent 15 years in a wasteland <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I mean, Frontiers had good character writing. This is pretty good character writing. Maybe we're just in an era. This isn't even like uh, like Ian Flynn did not write this. It's like some it's other people. So, yeah, I mean, Sega finally realizing, oh, wait, people like the head, the, 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 the characters of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, we should yeah. do something with them. Damn. Yeah, you'd think. Um, yeah, I had a good time. It's just free. Like, I, you can just get it on Steam. That's how I played it. It runs great on deck. It was fine. It was a good time. Yeah, nice. Uh, that's it for my extra games, <laughs> all like six of them. You know what? Oh, no, that's not actually it. I played Super Mario Brothers Wonder. <laughs> oh, right, you did. I also played, I, hey, I played an hour of that one. I didn't, didn't go back to it. Once again. I completed classic. it. Um, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, the new 2D Mario game. I think it's kind of bad. This is a hot take alert, hot take alert on this podcast. I, so here's the funny thing. I'm literally watching the animation of Super Mario Brothers Wonder video by the animation YouTube guy. When you told me you were ready to record. I paused the video. I'm going to go back to it after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that part, I think the like design of what like 2D Mario is, they did the work. Like they, they fixed it in a lot of ways. I like that. I like the way it looks a lot. Um However, they have not fundamentally changed the problem with like late new Super Mario Brothers, which is for every level you do, which takes like two minutes, you have to be on the fucking overworld for another two minutes. And then a little flower guy is going to tell you, hey, Mario, you got to go down to the bottom of the dungeon and get 10 flowers to open the gate to beat the castle. And then the little worm guy is like, gee, Mario, we should listen to him. We should go down to the bottom of the gate and get 10 flowers to open the castle. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I've played a video game before. And if I if I hadn't, if I was six years old, this is my first Mario game. I wouldn't want to read all this shit anyway uh yes they should just let you jump in a mario game you, you i don't know who levels. any of that is for i don't understand I, I i i like the presentation layer is nice but uh when i was playing i was like my well first of all, my favorite levels were the like tiny bite-sized little challenges but they oh like, all of those little bite-sized levels are like they're like called break times they're yeah. like either like just like single screen like challenge jump like weird challenge jumps or like find these hidden objects and there's no time limit you just get to hop around until you find them all are incredible they're really smart they seem really informed by like mario maker stuff um they're just really inventive they're just like bite-sized little like nuggets of level design right just like here's a yes. little, little bit of mario level design for you that's like showing off a weird mechanic and also like the badges allow some from like new jumping interactions yes. so it, it just pushes the design in ways that are cool but there's there's a badge you get late in the game that's like a, a piranha plant grappling hook that lets you throw out a grappling hook straight like a like a simon belmont whip but if it attaches to a wall it pulls you to the wall in like an infinite like wall grab like you, you it doesn't let go ever you just hold as long as you've on there and it's so fucking cool and none of the game is designed around it because it's only in those fucking two levels <laughs> yeah so this is my initial thing and i like it was an early early going impression for me but i really liked the ways these various new moves and badges expanded the mario move set uh and then was like but then i have to choose them for the main level so and not a single main level can ever be designed around it you can only design 
at most a few optional exits around these things uh or you do the challenge levels and then the challenge levels are like really short and i have to go through like a minute and a half of uh menus and overworld before i like go between them because i've got to, got to finish one run to the next one you know um and i just thought like the the ratio was off but i did really like the like level design stuff that i, I was playing especially in those um those those uh bite size ones yeah the wonder flower concept is neat but it has the odyssey problem where every neat thing you see you will see three or four times that's a shame um, and it fucking kills it dead it's just not interesting when, and like, all oh, the screen went black and white like those Diddy Kong Country Returns levels again, and now some shit is happening, but you can't, can't kind of can't tell uh, what's going on, and that's part of the gimmick is you keep it's hard to discern background from enemies when it's all dark. I'm like, yeah, I, I literally played the the retro studios game that did that like way better ten years ago, <laughs> whatever. Uh, it is a it is hard when like. I mean, this is the, the the Odyssey thing, right? Like, the difference between you stack the game for the first time, and it's amazing. You stack the game for a second yeah. time, it's content. Um, Weirdly, there's a there's like two wonder stages where you, the Wonder Flower turns you into Goomba, and you can't really jump, and you can't really attack enemies. And you're, it's mostly like an avoidance level mm-hmm. at the moment, are some of the best levels in the game, I think. <laughs> you yeah, should I mean, play with, like, the rule set a little more. Uh, this has just been my Nintendo problem uh, with a lot of these games in recent history is that the actual design work on display is often incredible. They're just like nuggets yeah. of incredible ideas, uh, but then they're like past... I mean, this is the, the fucking three optional coins thing. It's like, we'll only design the levels around this stuff uh, in optional like moments that you'll have to notice uh, because yep. it's mostly a game you just hold right and press A occasionally. Um, yeah. And I feel like Nintendo gets a lot of praise for this like... This is where you how you accommodate all players, and I would just rather have like difficulty selection. I'd rather have the game designed how it is, and then you put some like options in. Uh, yeah, because that would be easier. That would just be better. And then you could like pressure people in more interesting ways. Um, and I know this is just like just antithetical to the philosophies in Nintendo games. They want to mm-hmm. have a, a flat thing that if you want to make difficult, you're doing more optional and extra challenges. But I'd rather just have the core be more interesting, and then I could adjust it if it got too hard. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I just ended up feeling like, I think it's better than the later New Super Mario Brothers games. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's as good as New Super Mario Brothers. It looks much better, obviously. Yes. I think the animation work is incredible. I just wish you put a good video game around it. Um, in terms of inventiveness, it doesn't hold a candle to 3D land, which is like genuinely where all of the inventive Mario lives in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't work. It doesn't hold up even to like the Nintendo campaign in Mario Maker 2. There's like a pre built set of levels in that. I think those are really cool and interesting. Um, there's just nothing like that in it. I, I did the whole thing. I did the special world. I did the super difficult final challenge, which is not actually super difficult. It's just like a badge gauntlet of all of the one off powers you never got to use in the fucking video game. Um, just put the them in thing. the core move set. Put them in the core move set so I can now have a little wall jump and just expect yes. that I will know how to do it. Please, please just if let me do the game had just things. started, like it's playing New Super Mario Brothers, and by the end, Mario had a grapple jump and like a, a like a boost jump and all of the weird other moves, and they were just like part of his new core expanded 2D move set, I think it would be a much better video game. Um, at least, Odyssey, like, the one thing that's really good about Odyssey is that the cap is just part of the core moveset and you can do yes. it, like the the exponential ways it expands your potential because of the ways you can like combo in and out of cap throws uh, yes is like a thing that i am genuinely not like i am not looking forward to losing that in the next uh, mario game because i know just like flood they'll be like well we're done with that even though it's so core to mario's movement to be in my head now yeah um other thing is i think the online stuff is really good um 
being able to like rescue yourself from death by grabbing onto another player that's around the same area as you uh saving other players who are all eating shit over and over again in front of you uh getting the gold together and you get a little heart points for clearing the gold together i think all that stuff is just really nice um what that's about the kind of shit that nintendo is just like good at naturally in a way you're like i don't understand how you devise systems that are like the most inhuman things possible and yet still have interactions that are good like this <laughs> uh yeah no i mean what about here's the here's thing that had to me is i was a uh, uh, and like one of the early levels where uh, the optional exit was like a little door under the flag where you had to be an elephant to like crush the blocks. Yeah. So I press the like button, uh, bring up the elephant power up, go to eat it. And then the fucking ghost Luigi next to me just takes my power up. Oh, and I've, then ne- I I've to, never had that happen. <laughs> then I had to go to the main exit and redo the level to get that. I was like, God damn it. I'd, ne- I'd never had that happen. That's very funny. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um. But yeah, uh, kind of a downer. I, I just don't think Nintendo has it for me anymore. Maybe it's because I've been playing their games more than anything since I was a child. Um, and it's fine if they don't make games. I'd like Ultimately, like I don't care necessarily that I'm not being catered to by Nintendo games because I'd much rather spend my time and energy on other things. Uh, but I do, I do feel sad when there's a new Mario game and I just play it and feel nothing. And I didn't even get the new Zelda game. Like I just, It's just weird to have those things pass me by and not really care anymore. I mean, that sucks, especially when the new Mario game is like treated by most people as the, the return to form and it just doesn't hit you. Right. You're like, is it yeah. me? Am I just is it just me now? Like, what's happening? Well, like I played Bowser's Fury this year. I thought Bowser's Fury is really good. I've been watching you uh, like streamers play uh, Grand Pooh World 3, which is the new hot uh, Kaizo hack. Um, mm-hmm. And that's fucking incredible. Um, I still like watching people play Mario World ROM hacks more than I like any Mario game that's been made in the last 30 years. <laughs> yeah, but that's the most old person position there is. I know. I don't even I don't want to play them myself. Uh, you know, they're too hard for me, but I do like seeing it. Um uh, it's just nice to see. I mean, I I did laugh at like the interview that Tezuka was giving about like the motivation for why they made Super Mario Wonder the way they did, which was like to show the naysayers that like Nintendo can still make because people said you made Mario Maker, maybe you won't even need like you don't even need to make new Mario games. Uh, and the whole, that's why it's a, it's a Wonder Seed concept is because they wanted to make something that you couldn't do uh, in Mario Maker. And I'm like, that's so petty. <laughs> it's, it's a little cheap to have the thing. You're, you're like oh the thing we're gonna sell us on that you can't do mario maker is just completely bespoke random things that you have to make new every time uh, yeah like they seem cool and especially when the ones that they don't repeat the first time you see them right like they're, they're very cool i like the one seeds in the in the early game i understand how they might get a little annoying if they start repeating uh but yeah. i do i have been enjoying them so far uh <laughs> hearing that is the motivation i was like well could you at least have kept like the the servers going pretty strong i'm like could you have done some updates for mario maker 2 please could you no, stop deleting everyone's no. everyone's troll levels please could you stop doing that please yeah uh because i nintendo's terrible custody of mario maker which um to be clear is one of the greatest things ever made because it's a fucking mario maker you make mario it's perfect i don't know how it's just not running forever and the best game of all time every year uh, but Nintendo is just terrible at, uh, like, you know, overseeing it. Yep. Um, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Like, at the end of the day, I'm not a, I'm more of a 3D Mario person than I'm a 2D Mario person, but it still mm-hmm. was kind of a bummer, and I'll probably show up for the next time they release a 2D Mario, or 3D Mario game. Well, yeah. Um, they do that every once a decade now. So, I mean, yeah. I guess well, that's the thing is, I, yeah, they're not asking me to sign up for this very often, so it's fine. Um, uh, it'll be next year. New Mario next year you're out of your mind it, there's, a, there's a fucking new switch coming out there's gonna be yeah. the, 
Do you think, do you think, no, do you think they're just going to release it with no video game? I mean, they're going to have a video game, but I don't think it's going to be a new Mario. What's the video game then? What's it might the- be a new Mario Kart. No, no fucking way. You will get Mario Kart 8 Super Extra Deluxe No, 3. Mario Kart 9 Switch 2. There you go. You sold 7 million Switch 2s immediately. But they've been just, they only just wrapped up the DLC. I mean, I, I see the vision. I like, <laughs> if Nintendo releases Switch 2 with Mario Kart 9, they don't have to release another game for three years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I see the vision, but on the other hand, you get you get yeah. you get Mario Kart Nine and a download code for a digital copy of the Mario Brothers movie, <laughs> <laughs> which can be redeemed on the Switch Online store, but only viewed on your Switch. You can't like transfer it to anything else. Uh, how bad do you think this? St- are they going to be? They're going to have an actual app and not just a fucking HTML page that they shoved in no, there? No, no, they will continue to have a shitty HTML page. Uh, I just always think about the Switch launching and everyone going, well, it clearly came in hot, so they haven't quite finished the front end yet. Um, the funniest possible outcome. They have this HTML page. None of the old Switch games are compatible, but it's all technically running on the same server. They just hide the ones you can't download, so it still runs like shit because it has 10,000 games on it. That'd be so funny. Um, they haven't had, I, I'm fairly sure the Nintendo games will be forward compatible and you'll keep, because they said like, oh, you're going to keep the same account. So the transfer, they've just, they've said vague phrasing about how the transfer will be easier this time. Yeah. They have not specifically said whether that means your games will come. They have not actually confirmed that one way or another. Everyone's just assuming because it would be crazy if Nintendo got rid of all your Switch games. Um, they would love to sell you Breath of the Wild a second time. They Third would love time. To. Third time for some people. Not for most people, though. <laughs> I bought it on Wii U and Switch because I didn't get a Switch for immediately. So um, that's true. But you know what you're not going to do? What? Buy it a third time on any console. Well, no. They want they want the second Tears of the Kingdom purchase. The amount of people saying like, "Oh, Tears of the Kingdom is absolutely going to have a next gen patch and we're running at sixty next year," you're all you're <laughs> setting yourselves up for so much disappointment. Just expect nothing. I continue to expect nothing, and I get what I expect, so. Yeah. Well, Metroid Prime 4, coming soon. <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. Anyway, uh, it's time for the podcast. It's time for the game club. game club this month is a grab bag we picked four games uh those games are the red lantern betten brutal inertial drift and silent bomber uh we are going to talk about them in that order though it's probably going to be a little more free-flowing i don't think we're going to have like discrete uh you know we'll probably have discrete segments for some of these um yeah it'll be it'll be a grab bag it's a grab bag we're doing a grab bag like we often do so the first game we're going to talk about is red lantern which is uh, a game that came out in 2021 from timberline studio um 
It is a roguelike in which you are a uh, young woman who decided that she didn't want to live in the city anymore, like Stardew Valley, and moves to the wilds of Alaska with her her dog to become a dog sledding team as she hires some old retired sled dogs and decides to brave the wilderness to get to like a cabin a friend of hers has. And if she can do that, maybe she can make it in this world to discover something about herself. And mostly that means you're going to fucking starve to death or get mauled by a bear. And then it's going to loop back to when she's in the truck and be like, that was a weird dream. And uh, you'll do the run again. Your discovery is feeding into an incremental upgrade system. That means eventually you'll probably finish the runs. Um, Yes. That's most that, that that is basically the game um, written and acted by uh, Ashley Birch as the the young woman. Uh, so the thing with this well, 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 initial written, written written by the game director, just acted by, I think. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Uh, at least the that's... credits did say. Okay, if that's true, then that's my mistake. Um, I forget what it was, but it, the credits did say uh, that the game was written and directed by a certain person. Oh, okay. Uh, it was a woman? I don't remember. Doesn't have a doesn't have a Wikipedia page or like a website, so it's very hard to look this stuff up. Uh, if I had known at the time, I would have taken a screenshot, yeah. but I wasn't like... Indie games, please get a website so I don't have to use your Steam page because it's not helpful for the things we need for our podcast. <laughs> yeah, also there's no, like... Cre- it's really hard to get credit lists of video games. It's just hard. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um... So the initial thing is like, this is like a, this is like a Firewatch style. Oh, my life's hard and I'm kind of sad. So I decided to do something irresponsible and go out into the wilderness. But I think there's a fundamental difference between Firewatch guy, whose name I don't remember. Do you remember Firewatch guy? Henry. Henry. Uh, for Henry going, oh, I'm sad about my wife who had senility. Um, and I'm going to go be irresponsible in a, like a log cabin on a, on a, some stilts for a summer where it's very safe and I mostly am bored. Uh, and I'm going into the Alaskan wilderness with three, three bullets and five dogs. Uh, and I'm going to fucking die. <laughs> uh, it's very fu- funny. Oh God. <clears throat> I don't know what happened there. Sorry. Don't die. I, I'm getting like my, it, you know, <laughs> I'm getting like a blockage in my nose. Like I've been underwater in a swimming pool. It's very weird. I don't actually know what's happening mm-hmm. right now. Okay. Um, I think I just need to sneeze or something. Anyway, <coughs> uh, yeah, the the like stakes are so different because like Henry is like explicitly uh, the biggest coward loser who's ever lived. Yeah. Um, and the entire framing of Firewatch. Uh, is that this fucking coward loser uh, has experienced some problems in his... I mean, the problems in his life, but, like, the problems are with his wife. Like, his wife's the one struggling, um, and he just runs away from her. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Pay off to the setup. Jesus. I knew it was something. Uh, whereas this is just, like, it leaves what happened to her fairly vague, um, and you, like, drip feed you stuff throughout the game, rather than it yeah. being up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you just get, get up like, ah... Oh, I didn't work out being a doctor. I didn't work out doing stuff in my life. I want to prove that I can achieve something. So like I say, I've got three bullets. I'm going to pick up some uh, dogs that are all uh, 18 years old and should be dead. Uh, and I'm going to ride out <laughs> with, with a my map. city dog leading them. My dog who's like, the only thing he's chased is a ground squirrel. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm going to ride out uh, because I have to ride to the cabin that I live in. I can't drive there first and then, you know, then mush. I have to mush before I can be in my home. Uh, ridic- so ridiculous setup, but um, uh, yeah, I found it like mostly pleasant and nice. Um, I was definitely like 
uh, a little frustrated with i i guess i wanted either more of the survival game or more of the firewatch narrative game and it ends up being mm. this, this middle ground where you yes. just get little like vignettes but i thought all the vignettes were pleasant enough and uh, the game like looks really nice the vibes are really good um so i have no like i feel like i'm gonna be pretty critical because i didn't like really like it but also it wasn't like i hated it right I, the, the game is well made i like all the vignettes uh i think the vibes are good i guess this is what it means to play a video game it, you know it's not everything you want uh but it's fine <laughs> Uh, I like the I like all the there's a whole bit where you you visit like is it eight dogs and you need to pick up four of them yes and um, you get to say yes no as you go Um, and they all have different personalities and then once you get them in your team they each have basically like Mass Effect loyalty missions that you can begin to engage with as you go around because you're basically like you're mushing east to reach his cabin and at certain parts in the game you can go left or right and every time you do a segment your dog's hunger goes down and every time you stop to look at something your hunger goes down um but you need to stop and look at stuff to get resources because you do not have enough resources to make it you need meat you need medicine packs you need things to start fires you need bullets stuff like that um and also discovering stuff is how you do your dog's loyalty missions which doesn't actually like it doesn't really like give them more capacity necessarily though. Some, sometimes it does really weird. Um, but, um, it does finish out your little notebook, which like, that's like the game is finished, like seeing all the events in the world. Um, just collecting those in like very like soft way. It's not like a hard limits or anything. Um, and also you'll find permanent upgrades, like an ax that lets you chop birch from the trees to, uh, which helps you start fires without expending energy. Eventually there's a flint and steel. I didn't find the flint and steel. I was really sad about it because I was like, that would save my life. Because the actual thing that happens to me all the time is I can't fucking start fires to eat hot food because the dogs can eat cold food. But if you eat cold food, you 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 get a cold status that does like double hunger degradation. And it's just impossible at that point. Uh, did you find the fishing rod? I did find the fishing rod, but I never yes. found fishing more useful than just shooting caribou. Uh, I mean, if you if you get low on bullets, it's real helpful. Yeah, 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 that's true. But I, I didn't find that many fishing spots compared to how many animals to shoot I found in the world. Yeah. Um, the, 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 I mean, yes, that's true. I mean, shooting the animals is the main way you get through. Yeah. Um, it's got a real, like, you know, in many ways, this is for people who grew up with Oregon Trail and also like indie games. Like, that is your intersecting Venn diagram, right? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think making Oregon Trail into a Firewatch is like a really strange choice. Yes. Um, I'm not necessarily sure how well it like coheres, uh, because it means that like, you know, in Oregon Trail and in like, um, what was the game we played? King of Dragon Pass, right? Which is a far greater scope version, like the systemic version of this. Yeah, I mean, um, that's like Crusader Kings, but about like a tribe and it's incredible, right? Like, <laughs> But I mean, like the thing I'm used to with those kind of games is they lean into like being about text. They're like snappy and text things. Like you, you make a yes. choice, you get a text thing. But this is about animations playing out. And so I see the, anim- like when I get into an event, I see the same four, uh, you know, 40 to 50 second animation. I slowly make the choice. The dialogue line plays out. Um and because it's about repetition, about like, you know, it's a branching path. So you see a lot of the early events a lot, you, a lot. You see a lot. You, there's a lot of repetition in the game because of how the uh, thing works. Uh, it does mean like, as the game went on, I was really like, yes, no, I've seen, I've seen the wolf. I've seen the bear. I've, I've, I've seen the bear so many times, please. Uh, let's like find a way to speed this up because I'm trying to get to like the new stuff and figure out new paths. Yeah. Um, and there's only so long that like repeating the same uh dog animations with a really nice sunset can get you yeah 
It's weird because like there some of the, some of the interactions are really driven by the dogs you have. Like I had the one dog who's like really wary of you and doesn't trust you, uh, mm. but loves to run off. Like the, their owner's like, oh, yeah, they keep, he just keeps running off and chasing skunks. And uh, every time he wants to pull away from the path, you like need to let him go. But you'll see a skunk and you'll get skunk sprayed. But then you, if you bolster his confidence, then he'll slowly warm up to you and he'll like steal your hat at night. And if you let him do that, then it'll let you pet him. And uh, he'll finally like get confidence in someone who trusts him. And that's how you finish his like loyalty quest. It's really good. But yes. like the night you have to give him your fucking hat, you're you're inflicted with a cold status effect the next day. And I didn't have like heat to fix it. And I was just like, I, I'm making this dog love me. I'm going to finish his loyalty mission. I almost died doing it. Oh, I didn't. I, I did that loyalty mission. I didn't get the cold status because I didn't go to sleep. I just heat was on my hat and I just left. I didn't go to sleep. Oh, okay. I did. Yeah, I slept. I waited the night. Some, it's like sometimes I'm stopping just to cook and that's when I got the hat scene. So mm, I, did, okay. I didn't realize I'd get lucky that way. Yeah, it was the middle of the night and it was like my second run. So I was like, well, I need to make sure that I sleep at night. And it turns out, no, you don't. You totally don't have to do that. <laughs> no, you. it's only the meat is the only thing that matters. You don't have to like yeah. align it to the time of day yeah. or anything. Yep. Because I was like, oh, night's going to be much more dangerous. I'm uh, currently playing a video game. Uh, maybe our game club for next month where being at night is like a radically different video game than when you're out during the day. <laughs> yeah, you got to. You got to go to sleep and you got to prepare. Yeah. And that's like part of the whole systems. And yeah, that's not really here. Yeah. The difference yeah. in like the, the day and night difference is much more about like, I mean, it's with the uh, fullest compliment, like the screensaver element of this game. There is a part where this yes. game is just like, occasionally you make choices. It's like a DVD game on some level with like a really nice animation that plays. And then occasionally you get a little menu to make choices. Uh, it's more elegant than that. It's clearly like, you know, it has smooth transitions in a real yeah. ass video game. But whenever you're like investigating an animal, like, and it just does something interesting and it's not like shoot the caribou for the eighth time, or you get the dog cutscenes. There's just like the sun is rising and I'm running across a lake. It's like, man video games <laughs> but i can like imagine the oregon trail x context of like you're playing this at school on uh like a projector for the class and they're all going go left or right or whatever um, yeah ha gee and it, it doesn't have like educational uh, so i don't know why you'd be doing that uh, yeah. but That's I, the thing I, is we all got to play Oregon Trail because everyone was convinced it was educational even though it truly was not uh, so even though like I don't think that's a real thing that would happen I do think it would like support that kind of group play maybe just even like having it on TV while you're like hanging out with your partner or something right like it yeah. I feel like just like having these options up for discussion just enjoying the dogs um, yeah is a better place than me sitting down like i'm serious game player what's going on here uh, oh, I just got a horror G again okay well I guess I got a G can I have can yeah, I have I mean, meat it is really telling when you when you get to the the cat the cabin. It does offer you like an endless mode. It's like ah, just like mush around and see stuff, and you, your dogs won't die this time. Yeah, I did not turn on the uh, dog death no option in the in the. Oh yeah, there is like a dogs can't die option in the menu for those people, um, which I say a little derisively. Maybe I'm being a little derisive about it. <laughs> um, a little bit. I think if you I think if you do if you make a game about mushing dogs and going into the Alaska wilderness ill prepared um even if you're not ill prepared it's a it's truly a dangerous vocation um the dogs die the mushers die they get horribly injured it's it's dangerous it's the wilderness out there and I think there's like I think like being like oh but our game's like meant to be about heartwarmingness about it uh so we we're gonna turn that option off but not like the human can die it's just like a little precious to me that's all uh, yeah. I am being cantankerous. I understand this. Uh, <laughs> yes. 
But like I watch a lot of like camping YouTube, right? People go out and camp and it's usually very safe. It's usually like, oh, I'm making a video. I'm not going anywhere particularly dangerous. But at the same time, it's like something could happen. It is camping. You are always taking a risk when you go out into the wilderness. I like winter camping a lot. I think it's really cool. Um, but it's always like, you know, if something goes wrong, you fucking freeze to death. <laughs> uh, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Like Grizzly Man is real. That is a documentary, right? Like. <laughs> Uh, yes, and yeah, it, it's weird. Like there are there are like scenes in this that like lean into the danger of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like the bear attacks you, and um, the the dogs like try to fight it off, and then your dog gets hit by the bear and gets an injury thing, and if you don't give it a first aid kit, it'll die. And one of the so, dog, one of the dogs, like uh, will attack the bear like successfully. It's like really the big, really fluffy one, and that's how you complete its thing. Is it stands up to the bear one. and scares it off? I didn't have that dog, so that explains yeah. how. Uh, uh, that event was finding me because every time I was like every I was like is there anything I can do I just it just went the same like I never got an option so it just kept yeah. going the same way yeah I uh, got mauled by the bear on my second run to death because I had already been injured because every time every time I did not internalize the lesson of every time the the owl flies in front of you you need to be careful because it means something's going to charge at you and every time I literally every time I got hit by it just didn't think about it <laughs> that's the, the omens of the owl the whole yeah thing, the whole. <laughs> Every single time, just ate shit. The whole cutscene about the omens of the yeah. owl. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> Sometimes you learn no lessons. And then you fought up the eagle, and the eagle will get you like a rabbit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that stuff is... Uh, yeah, it's mostly really fun, and like, it's chill. Like, this is like a lazy afternoon game. Play a couple runs, maybe finish it, maybe, you know. Um, you mess around with the extra stuff. Uh, they hinted that there's something weird in the wilderness if you go back out, and I did not find it. I didn't know if it was like, is it a Bigfoot? Is it Santa? What What's out there? Like, what goofy thing did they put in as like an Easter egg? I didn't find that. I was like, I mean, there's like the, the weird moose with the moose cry. Uh, I found yes. that. Uh, but I did not find anything like... Yeah, but like, the, the completion screen makes it sound like when you go back out in Zen mode, there is one more winter themed thing out there, right? That's like interesting and weird. Um, and so it's either a cryptid or Santa Claus. Like it has to be, right? <laughs> I would assume it would be a cryptid then because Santa yeah. Claus is like you're on the sled. <laughs> it just wouldn't fit for like the kind of things you're noticing. Oh, what if Santa shows up and you have to race Santa Claus with your dogs though? That'd be pretty good. Just doesn't have the mechanics for this. What if Solid Snake shows up with his 50 Huskies? <laughs> oh, he's preparing for the uh, Iroquois or whatever it's called. The Iditarod, uh, yes. Iditarod, yes. I'm getting confused. Like, oh, Iroquois is his name from the other game. I don't remember his name. I don't know what the dog race is called. The Iditarod. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it is just a Solid Snake game. Because this is what I, when I think of Solid Snake, I do think about him and his 50 dogs that don't matter yeah. in the video games, but he does have no. them. Yeah. He's mushing. He's mushing. The, the, when the colonel picks him up from Metal Gear Solid, he's retired and he's mushing. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> uh, he would bring more than three bullets to the wilderness, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, no, he wouldn't. He, in fact, famously, weapons and... Uh, weapons and uh, procure- that is not RSP. his choice. The, the colonel tells him weapons on, on site procurement. Solid Snake does not bring anything. I think Solid Snake has a fully loaded gun uh, with a modern like magazine for in case he's attacked by a bear. He's got Naked the- Snake would fight the bear barehanded, absolutely. But Solid Snake, absolutely not. He's got it in the uh, in the cabin. He's like, do I leave my gun? Do I not bring my gun? You think, oh, you think Solid Snake encounters a Wolverine and he does his like two punch kick combo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Wolverine? I don't think so. <laughs> he can't crouch because he can only lie down and stand up. <laughs> <laughs> he got him 
avoid the bad sight. Stupid. <laughs> I brought uh, chaff grenades just in case. <laughs> oh, they don't work on bears because they don't know what electricity <laughs> is. Anyway, I think that's uh, that's the Red Lantern. It's it's like very chill, you know. Um, yeah, it's the kind of game that I'm like, I don't know exactly what to say because I wasn't like a huge favorite of mine, but I didn't like dislike it. I appreciated everything it was doing, and I just had like an afternoon that I thought was okay with it, which is I guess the standard for normal video games. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk a little bit. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's we'll talk about it now. One of the interesting things I like about the grab bags is the grab bags are almost never like our favorite games ever, right? Mm-hmm. We play stuff. We often have like complaints about them. They hit us kind of weird. They're oftentimes like our seven, you know, our five out of tens to like seven out of tens, not derogatory. I, I mean that mostly positively. Um, and, but I think it's good to like, because like, you know, we played Shenmue. We're about to play 15, which is one of my favorite games, even if Jackson ends up not liking it. We, oh, we what, pick... if, what if I'm a hater? What if I'm hardcore? Well, I don't want to well... think about it. I, don't, <laughs> I genuinely don't want to think about how bad the episode will be if this is the case. Because um, I'm going to, I'll genuinely be too upset to like be normal about it. Um... It won't even be the like eight thing where you'll fight for it. You'll just be sad. You'll just be, oh, but leave Doctor alone. Everyone, everyone hates that game but me. Uh, that's not true. But a lot of people have a lot of problems with the game and I don't, I don't see it. I think 15 is an incredible video game. Um. That's all I've been doing this week is fucking playing 15 early because I was ready to go in. Um, but uh, with this, I it's I think it's good to like recalibrate a little and not just play games we already know we're going to like and games that are more in conversation with like the average flow of video games is stuff that has interesting ideas, maybe has some obvious problems, is like a game you play for five hours and that's it. Like that's the experience. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it recalibrates our, our like settings <laughs> a little bit. Yes, because I feel like our episode, we usually, when our episodes are like hunting for a game that will support, like either be really, really, really fucking good or yeah. like large enough to support like a broader cultural conversation, yes. are usually the two criteria. Uh, and yeah. I appreciate the bag, grab, the bag grab. What am I fucking talking about? The grab bags were just like, we're just here to talk about some video games. Yeah. Uh, and so this one mostly I'm like, I think the, the theming is like cartoonishly irresponsible, but not in a way where I like think the game is bad. I just think it's really funny that this lady goes and dies 800 times, uh, in a wholesome game. <laughs> it's so funny that the, like, the plot of this game is you go out with three bullets and one bit of meat with five dogs that should be retired, uh, onto the ice for the first time ever. And then you die and it's revealed it with a dream. And her response to that uh, is not to turn around, uh, but to bring one extra bullet. It's really yeah, I, found, oh, I, I found three skunks, so this time I'll bring another bullet. <laughs> oh, now I've got a fishing rod. I finally realized a fishing rod could be useful. How did I see before uh, that I could have... That until today, until I found this, this axe in the forest, I was bur- like tearing off the birch with my bare hands. Yeah, that part's really funny to me. Uh, and I think that friction is like kind of... <laughs> I can't imagine it's not a little bit intentional to just be like, this is kind of she weird. She wakes up from a dream and like, oh, thank God I didn't get mauled to death by a bed. They definitely know a little bit. It's yeah. like clearly part of like the comedy of the game on some level. Yeah, the minute you realize you're making a, a a a wholesome roguelike about finding yourself in the Alaskan wilderness, but also you have to be able to starve to death and get mauled by animals, you have to understand there's a little bit of inherent comedy in the loop existing at all, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's 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 honestly the stuff I quite yeah. like about the game. And I'll take that stuff over like how Eternal does it any fucking day. Oh, there's no fucking cryptic, <laughs> too deep for you, uh, secret lore. You can't do the Red Lantern lore. 
Yeah. Uh, there's just like a few bits of monologue from uh, the girl and about like Margot and, and her, like, these are her struggles and these are my struggles. Am I going to find myself in this wilderness? I guess we're all going to find a way to make it in a crazy world with my dogs. Uh, God, if this tried to do uh, like seed some viral lore, I'd be so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Our next game is Betten Brutal. Uh, a game from this year uh, by uh, Jan Malachek, uh, which is a it is a platforming game in the style of getting over it, but also is basically like a Minecraft parkour outside of Minecraft. They just recreated it in in, in another engine where you're going up this dilapidated, brutalist architecture. It's like the people who go into uh, ruined Soviet buildings on YouTube, but like for a platforming challenge game. Yeah. Uh, like that's the- And also it plays like Minecraft. <laughs> I did not know uh, when I chose this game that it was, well, that, that it was a getting over it style game and that it played like Minecraft. I was just, uh, oh, first person platforming game. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, but then we played it and I realized what it was. Yeah, you were not aware of the... We had discussed... We, before you had given it to me and I looked at it, I was like, oh, a Minecraft parkour game. And we talked a little about it. And, you know, we knew going in what it was. Um, yes. But I was aware I, when I brought Part of the reason you. I said yes is because I was thought it'd be interesting to finally have an excuse to talk about getting over it types. Because we'll probably never do another one because we're not really either to our taste. But for some very different... Re- eh, the same reason, but at very different intensities. How about that? <laughs> um, there is nothing worse in a video game than falling in one of these games. Uh, to the point where, like, in the 30 minutes directly after falling, I will intellectually justify any outrageous position. <laughs> I will say fucking anything. I'll be like, yeah, these games are basically just uh, machines of cruelty designed by people who just want to laugh at you. Uh, either of them, that's patently not true. But I'll be so fucking mad about the 100 meters that I lost. I'm like, fuck it. I'll do anything right now. <laughs> yeah, whereas when I fall, I'm like, okay, am I right? All right, I was a little rattled. I guess I'm going to put it away for now and go play something else. <laughs> and I'll come back again. to it. Again, that my fucking time. I hate you. God, why would you make this? Uh, I wanted to climb it, but I guess, no, fuck me. I, that's how I get. And then I'd have to, to, to play the video game. <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, my thing is my nerves get rattled. And then if I try to do it again, I will, like, make more mistakes because I'm rattled. So I need to, like, literally walk away until my nerves have been re-steeled. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I get annoyed. I get mad. I'm like, fucking goddammit. Um, and I think it comes down to the thing I'm looking for from platformers is to get into a sense of flow. Uh, I like movement, right? I like... Uh, to connect jumps to other jumps and to feel a sense of uh, like progression in the movement. And that exists in these games, but only after you've made the climb once. That's only in the speedrunning stage, right? Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is a game about learning the level enough, like not memorization exactly, but learning how to navigate it enough that you can do it because failures are punished extremely. Yeah. Uh, and... So like the higher I get, I'm just getting more and more tense, and I'm not even able to enjoy like I'm getting. I feel into the flow of platforming, um, and so it just doesn't capture what I like about platforming. Even though I think like the platforming is fine, but the getting over design is uh, anathema to. I think more. the actual platforming scheme is fucking incredible. Uh, I just yes. think well, one. I think Minecraft. I mean, Minecraft's had parkour maps since Minecraft was like in alpha. People have always thought the 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 movement in Minecraft was interesting. Enough people play it that people will always turn into like another game into in, into a thing. It doesn't matter if the game is good or not. But I happen to think the Minecraft platforming as a first person game with like the crouch means you can't fall off a ledge and like the sprint really makes it like haphazard and the way the like ladders work is inherently interesting. I think it leads to good platforming. Um. And I think the aesthetic they went with this mostly works really well to highlight that as like 
the movement gets really weird sometimes and there's just fun in that yeah <laughs> it's like a little inhuman but and the, the world being like this kind of real but like fairy tale version of like realism uh i think highlights like heightens that um because like it looks like a dilapidated building but also it's like a giant silo that's like way like 500 meters tall and everything inside looks like ruins for no reason it's like this is not real geography <laughs> no no the, the vibes are ridiculous yeah um, and I find I find that stuff like marries very well into like an aesthetic sense. Like every time you reach a, a ledge where they're like, OK, here's a little side corner where we're going to safely teach you about ladder jumping, <laughs> I think is like really good. Uh, yeah, because I had no familiarity with like Minecraft, uh, like platforming physics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just had to kind of figure it out. Um, yeah, I think it felt really good. Like I think because uh, I played on a controller. Um, and I went back did- and forth. I played on my Steam Deck and then I would load up on my computer and play mouse and keyboard because it would just load where I was in the run on the other platform, like seamlessly, which, man, sometimes Steam is like truly magic. <laughs> yes. The Steam, <laughs> Steam Deck combined with like save sync stuff. Yes. Uh, is really, I mean, yeah, Steam Deck and a good PC is the future. Um, yeah. It's the only way I want to play. <laughs> um, don't have the good PC yet, but I'm working on it. Yeah. Um. Uh, but but like I I did come to really enjoy the feel of the platforming on the um, controller because even though it's a mouse and keyboard game, it doesn't have official support. Uh, the like whatever the platforming mechanics they lucked into in Minecraft are really smart about yes. the ways in which the sprinting and the crouching uh, are movement manipulators such that you don't have to constantly look down all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I'm all, I am looking down. I'm looking down a lot because of the well, yeah. type of thing I, I basically play that game pitched down about 20 degrees the entire time. Yeah. Um, but the, you do have more options and you do have like ways you can manipulate it. Uh, and like the ways ladders are like super deterministic. Right? I first was like, how I keep going down the ladders. What's going on with these? Weird? And then realizing, oh no, they, there's like a sliding downward situation. But once you're at the top, they're platforms. Yes. Um, everything is like, everything is deterministic. Right. And, there there is momentum in in your movement um and i know platformers are all technically deterministic but like a sonic type game is way more chaotic than this this i'm like you're basically always in always in constant control so you can do anything with the movements yeah um and it's not like twitch precision it's not like i've got to aim really hard and i'm moving too fast it's just like manipulating between platforming states in interesting ways so there's there's no like there's no like timed platforms really like toward the very end at the very top there is neither of us got neither of us finished this for the record yeah yes i did not finish it i I watched a video uh that showed down to the top and i was like damn that's cool yeah i uh, got i got a little under 300 meters and i just the falls became too much (laughs) every time i fell i was like oh i just can't i just can't handle this kind of stress <laughs> i got to like 250 and fell from like there to 80 to zero in yes. about five minutes and i was like yeah. i'm done I'm, I'm not i'm literally no you can't fucking pay me to do this again <laughs> yes yeah um but uh i yeah i, I really enjoyed my time with that. i feel like you had a less enjoyable time just because you get so mad when you fall <laughs> it's because i want i want when i'm playing a game i want to learn it i want to yeah. find it interesting uh and i want to like master its mechanics in some interesting way and i don't feel like repeating the bottom to get to the interesting part is like a good version of yes. that i understand you can make the argument uh that that's just how climbing that's like that's how things work in life that's just what life yes. is that's- well i also understand dispositionally there are people who do like the nature of repeating you have to repeat the first part a hundred times because you fail the end part right 
Yeah. I, Whereas, even if I don't particularly like it, I understand that this is not this is not a s- objective determination of quality. Some people do enjoy this. And to like push forward onto the second game, the next game a little bit. Like my, f- I prefer when there's a course that has a certain thing, and then I can like work on, like I can re- repeat it, and uh, I can like master it on its own terms. Yeah. Um, I'm still doing the repetition, right? I'm still repeating the early game stuff before I move on to doing later game stuff, uh, because that's what the video game is. But when it's like a leaderboard for uh like score or for time um i just is just a completely different framing i can't like fall down from the first track yes uh, i just like course based uh games for this thing whether it's like the driving game we're about to have or like sonic courses right like that's just like my approach to platforming generally yeah yeah, I mean the platforming game. I, I the games I like are usually short course, even difficult games, but short course games. And I'm not, I'm not going for times. I'm not a time trial person. I like a challenge, but I like challenges that are like bite sized, and then I just b- burn through them. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'm someone who like almost 100 Super Meat Boy when that game came out. Like I do like that style of video game. I replay VVVVVV like every year, and I love it every time because that game you can complete in like an hour and a half. <laughs> Uh, every time you're like, oh, is it still hold up? And then you're like, yes, it's still the best yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely. Time. One of the best games. <laughs> 100% every time. Why? I don't know. Why not? It's easy. It takes like 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not like, I, you know, I'm not even trying to speed run it. Like people can do that in, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I'm not out here trying to do that. I'm just playing the video game. You do just occasionally refer, like every couple of years, go back to uh, Vinny Vinny Vici to just prove you can still do it. And you're like, all right, still well, got when it. I got, when I first got the Steam Deck, because I was like not, I was like, are the controls on this good? And I, yeah, the game, I downloaded that and I went and did that. And I was like, okay, yeah, if I can do that with the D-pad, the D-pad's fine. Uh, I've never been able to do Vinny Vinny Vici. I've always got them right <laughs> before the end. Like, I mean, it doesn't, I, I don't do it first time every time, right? It takes me like 10 tries, but I do do it. I, I've absolutely, across multiple playthroughs, had like, hundreds of attempts at that and i've never got it it's too hard it's i can't do it maybe yeah. i would do it now i haven't i haven't played VVVV in like a decade yeah that's just the, the the style of platforming i like as those style of games um and i do appreciate something like this i i love i love i like platforming in 3d generally um but i do think that like because i'm impatient by nature and we are people who want to burn through games by disposition of our jobs uh this these games are almost antithetical to what we value in video games and that's partially why i liked doing it because it opened up the the realm of like the uh uh only ups and getting over it's of the world which we would never talk about on these this podcast because they are truly antithetical to what we do <laughs> yeah um and i i i play getting over it at the time and i, I do think that like uh, I do prefer the post getting over it game to getting over it itself. We've got a little different disposition on this, but I, I don't really like getting over it because I think uh, the voiceover is cheating. I think the voiceover being both a joke and also like giving you like intellectual monologue to think about how profound it is, uh, which are themselves shit posts about how silly that is, uh, is it just adds a layer of like importance that I think is just not not there when you just make the thing. You just make the thing. I, um, partially it's because maybe I've, I've never actually played getting over it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I saw when it came out and I like seen people play it. And then since then I've, I've watched dozens of hours of various VTubers play it. Um, and watching your favorite anime girl rage at, uh, falling down, t- accidentally landing on the snake and being taken back to the beginning is never not funny to me. And especially when they, they land, they're like stunned. Like, how could this have happened to me? And then the voiceover happens and that's what kicks them into boiling over the rage. <laughs> Um, I think it's just so fucking funny. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with him because I'm like, oh, fuck you. Fuck you. 
oh, I'm going to teach you about how funny and profound that was. Uh, I love it. I, I think, I mean, I've always thought getting over it, what, like, when it first came out, people weren't, a lot of people weren't trying to take it. There was a lot of discourse about, like, oh, is this really, like, about the struggle that we all go through as video games? I was like, no, this man made Quop. He's having, he's taking the piss out of everyone who's playing it. Like, that's the point, is that it's annoying and self-important, and you're supposed to recognize that and laugh along with it. It's like the Stanley Parable, but, like, less winky about, because the Stanley Parable is also this joke, but the Stanley Parable, like, invites you in. It's, it's really, like, a collaborative experience with the player to mess around and have fun. This is, like, a game that truly is, like, kicking you in the dick, but also trying to, like, sell you this, like, really wry joke about the whole thing. And I yeah, think I that's mean, hilarious. I think it's all those things. I do think that, like, when you make it to the top and it gives you the big monologue about how you've done it, it is completely being honest about that. <laughs> I think it's, like, doing all these things at the same time. Um, yeah. But my real thing is, like, I, I feel like um, getting over it is basically the Quentin Tarantino movie of video games. Um, I just think that there's too many bad games that fit that more in actuality. No, no, okay. The specific thing I mean, right, is that a Quentin Tarantino movie is about, he's seen a million other movies, right? And this is the one that is like seen as more important because he did it and is like reselling you uh, the aesthetics of B movies, but as prestige. Uh, and I say that liking a lot of Tarantino movies, right? It's the thing that mm. I'm not necessarily thinking is like, invaluable. I would argue that Remedy is the Quentin Tarantino of video games, but I understand your point here. That too. I'm not saying that there's, the, but it's <laughs> there's many Quentin Tarantino's of video games. <laughs> it's specifically the part that getting over it is like, well, in its, in its monologue state that it is a, uh, like remake of a flash game that about seven people have played but found really me- like really meaningful uh but no one played that like you can't get that to blow up you have to add the like intellectual layer on top to get people to engage it's weird because so like on some level you're right but on the other level like well, this the the way the world in which i came out in is also the world in which minecraft is an infiniminer clone spelunky mm-hmm. is a remake of a flash game nobody played like this is where games were at <laughs> Well, I'm about to say, like, on some ways, it's like a uh, great success story because, like, the things that came out after getting over it were just this genre came back as a thing that wasn't a joke or a thing that had to be, like, intellectualized, yeah, right? Like, like Jump King exists, make, right? Jump King yeah. is just about you eat shit over and over again until you finish a video game. So, in many ways, it's like if, a, if like, Kill Bill led to a million of actual Shaw Brothers movies being made again. <laughs> yeah, it was just Man with the Iron Fist and then they stopped. <laughs> really, just that. <laughs> yeah. Um,. But, like, I think that's, like, the genre of... It's not one-to-one, but it's, like, the, the yeah. lens I see it through, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I've just always been more generous to it than you are. Um, partially because, like, it just doesn't make me as mad. <laughs> I think it's really a lot it of what it is. So mad. It makes me so mad falling down. I like getting good at things. I like finding things that I can, like, attempt and try and bash my head at. Uh, but the, the level of, like... The part where punishment becomes... Uh, like the, it's a joke, right? It's, it's a joke that you fell in that state yes. and you fell down and you lost everything. And I simply cannot get to the space where I'm okay with going. I don't want. I don't want to lose everything. I want to just try and get good at something. Um, I do think. I do think this is better. Like Quop is a better game because the the challenge one is not doesn't really have a fail state. It just has like a score chase, but mm-hmm. is inherently so absurd that no one can get. I mean, people got invested in, I got invested in Quop and like, oh, can I be good at Quop? And you can a little bit, but it is just a weird piece of shit for a laugh. <laughs> yes. I mean, Quop's just funny. I've never been annoyed when I fell, fell over in Quop. Yeah. Um, and like, I think a lot of my getting over reaction is um, colored by the fact I played it at launch when it was like the discourse of the day. And yeah. I was just seeing lots of tweets. About, it was when I was really in Games Twitter. I was really on Games Twitter. It was like 2018. Games Twitter will ruin all sorts of games for you. Uh, and now out. I'm just not. I'm just not. I mean, Games Twitter doesn't exist for one thing. Twitter's dying and um, Nobody, everyone's the, fractured. Di- the discourses outside of your Alan Wakes, like there's like one or two games a year, but mostly everyone's kind of playing something different. 
Um, so it doesn't happen the same way anymore. And one of the difficulties is it happens like because of the full U tab, it'll just like center like the final fantasy 16 people will have a fucking argument but that's not it just doesn't feel the same it's just different it was different back in the day yeah it's just different and you you very rarely get the games where everyone forms a consensus around it used to be new game came out it's the game of the week everyone plays it and has a take and even whether it's a written piece or just discussion on twitter and then everyone moves on after a week or two and you only see that very rarely now. Like Alan Wake 2 is definitely one of those, but that's like an outlier. There hasn't been one of those since Tears of the Kingdom, which always Nintendo always gets this a little bit. Um, but yeah, what was last year's? Like, it's been a while. They just I mean, don't happen that often. Baldur's Gate 3 happened, but that was like been yeah. lasted even longer. Baldur's Gate 3 is weird because everyone did that, but then the game was so long that no one ever finished it. So everyone's like, everyone is talking about the first third of that game and not the the back third, which is apparently like still kind of really rough and like less finished. And the people oh, that they, got they there they is like, nobody like knows the game them. falls apart. <laughs> they cut like... 70% of the final act, seemingly. Like, yeah. I mean, most games do. It's hard making yeah, a fucking yeah, yeah. video game. Uh, but yes, it, it is clearly more polished than the bit they had in early acts for two years. Yeah. It's just really funny seeing that game become a lightning rod of discourse, but only for the first, like, tw- 20 hours, because that's all any games writer ever plays of anything. <laughs> uh, it's hard to finish video games. They're long. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Tell me. I know. Um, but yeah, that's better and brutal. Yeah. Um interesting uh this honor game is like not really for me but i do like uh moving around in 3d space and you know what there's more games of that than ever but they're still kind of rare we've been Um, kind of on a tear on talking about 3d platformers in the last year and a half well they're really fucking kicking off again like it is hit the last few years it's truly hit on steam yeah uh there are a lot of 3d platformers i'm gonna be playing pseudo regalia soon uh because it looks fucking incredible yeah uh all right Jackson, you get what you want. It's time to talk about Inertial Drift. Uh, it's time to talk about Inertial Drift, uh, which the, the is... The 2022 video game by Level 91 Entertainment, which is a twin-stick racing game in which your steering is left-stick and your drift is right-stick. Like, the right-stick controls what the back half of the car does. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy good. It's crazy you've been, good. You've been high on this game since it came out, and I had not played it until you said we are going to pick it for this. Yeah, I played it on like um, the PS5 when I first got a PS5. It was just one of the games I downloaded. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is fucking incredible. Like, this is really good. And then I looked, like, got a little reception at the time, but not that much. Didn't catch on that much. Um, and this time I was like, oh, the DLC hit. And I played DLC and it's like, they learned a lot of lessons from the main game. It improves things in a <laughs> substantial way. And then the tracks have like, this has 17 times set for it. And you're like, man, making a video game is so rough out there it so here's the thing uh we're just gonna be up front not not uh not hide our reception of this you think this game is one of the greatest games ever made and i don't even necessarily disagree with you but like everything about this game that means that the dlc refines a lot of the ideas but also 17 people played it i look at the dlc and i go yeah of course because every for every choice they made that is like a smart choice the things that I value when I play a game about driving cars, this game cannot do because it's made by like two fucking people who have no fucking money. <laughs> yeah, two people over seven years. Who made yeah. the uh, who made the main game, and then the DLC is a year and a half later. Um, and I do think that like if you are going to post mortem inertial drift, you can look at its constituent parts, and you can see there is a core here that I think is one of the most genius things I have ever seen. Uh, and I don't, that's not even hyperbole. It takes fucking racing games, adds this like high concept arcade hook, uh, 
and designs the tracks around it so perfectly that I'm like, this is we're in a new world. This should be radically paradigm shifting. Why isn't this blown up? And then you look at other elements and you kind of understand, like, for example, it has a story. The story is bad. Uh, the story really is like extremely, it's extremely thin. I would say like flash game level writing around like race teams competing and there's no real conflict and everyone's character is like one line that they state at the beginning. Like this is, this is who I am. I'm the guy who used the AI to control my car. Um, and everyone's teaches, Oh, maybe you should learn to trust your driving instincts and not rely on the AI. And you race him three times in the fourth time. He goes, maybe you're right. I should learn to trust my instincts. And that's <laughs> and then the DLC guy anyway. where they've improved and yes. added some more conflicts. <laughs> yeah. Um, because in the main game, it's like, oh, I'm not confident to drive. And then they're like, we'll get you there. We'll, we'll, we'll get you to the race on Sunday. Uh, I, and like, like, like the the base game has, I think, pretty bland music. And then they, they actually do like Eurobeat inspired tracks for the DLC. But because it's still a very small indie game, it's like you have all of the like the, the instrument noises that I expect out of a out of a Eurobeat song, but there's no lyrics and it lasts five minutes and it doesn't have five minutes worth of like bridge and choruses in it. Uh, it's just a ba- it's just a video game back- background noise. It's not actually a banger that I'd listen to in an arcade. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's like it's hard. I can't like judge yes. them for no, not. This having... is this is me. This is like me realizing, like when I look at inertial drift, I do agree with all the things you say about why it is good. But I look at it, and I go, on some level, fundamentally, the thing that I want when I want a game about cars is fed into by the spectacle of budget and refinement that two people just can't do, can't afford. Uh, yeah. I mean, like they can't get Dave Rogers. Yeah, when when I when when I say that video games like we talked about this on the most recent VoIP Life, and I was like, video games are inherently uh, like a, a medium that ca- like cannot is exploitative not just by like extraction mechanics, but by the nature of the objects itself. It's I don't think you can make a cheap racing game and get people on board, and it turns out that seems to be the case for a lot of people. Like for people, this hits. It's going to be one of their favorite games. But like when I look at them, like everything feels kind of weightless and thin because they don't have enough, they didn't have enough time to make the graphics really good and all the music kind of sucks so they don't have any budget and there's not enough courses and all the story's bad because they didn't have like real writers to write it and none of that is their fault. I Like I feel like an asshole saying that even though like as someone who's playing a video game, oh, these are all faults I find with it even though the core racing experience is good. I wish there was more tutorials also. Like that's part of the package. The, when you get the weird cars that drive a little funny, I wish there was a single year, single challenge map where the tutorial was like, on this car, you need to let up off the drift if you want to straighten your car out, otherwise you're fucked. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really, like, it has a story and then the story, like the story doesn't like actually take you through the various cars, even though yes. all the various cars uh, control radically different. It's basically yes. a fighting game. Yeah. Um, the cars don't just like choose your speed and your like turning, right? It's like this completely changes the mechanics of how like what the triggers do when you like does the brake turn you further? Does, does the brake slow your turning angle? Do you charge up a turn and then like kick out once you like release the brake and stuff like that? Yes. And so that's all left for you to figure out, right? Like they were, if there were I, genuinely it just needs like a codex of tutorials for the cars. <laughs> um and there's other uh like polished stuff like like you there are leaderboards uh that work um but they're single platforms they're not cross-platform uh and they only work in arcade mode when you do a time trial race so yes. if you set a really good time in story mode you don't that doesn't share to your friend it's not a global leaderboard listing all the time um just like little things that you're like in a game with uh 30 people this is the stuff you get done right these are yeah. the things that you put in um yeah. and it's just like you really see what is lost by uh not having resources and it makes me sad because i genuinely 
the racing, the actual racing is some of the best racing I've ever done in my life. Like getting, nailing how to do a turn with this like double stick uh, situation uh, is so good. It's so satisfying. Almost nothing feels better, um, but it just, it just didn't hit culturally and it makes me sad. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as high on it as you. I do think that it's very good. Um, when I look, yeah, my, my main reaction is like, I guess I do care about the polish layer that's just not here. And I like, it makes me feel like a bit of a jerk. But then I also am like, you know, there's there's six other Ridge races I haven't played yet. I go play I mean, Wipeout today. The other thing is that, like, I enjoy leaderboard racing with my friends. Yes. I don't like I don't like score chasing, like basically, period. In video, It's not a thing I've ever valued. Not that I dislike it. I'm just not interested. Uh, so, like, the lack of structure in the video game past the story was fine because the Discord all got in on this and we all started like, oh, I'm going to beat your time on this lap. And then, you know, I would have a good go and I would try to beat it and, and I had a good time going back and forth. I didn't keep up the last week as much as I wanted to because I was playing three other games this month. Yeah. Um, but that was like the bulk of my time in the game was like doing the races, uh, seeing someone beat my time. And then I'm like, all right, let's, let's take this like five more times to see if I can push it a little further um, and like honing my skills on, the, on uh, each track. And like, that's genuinely incredible. That stuff is so fucking good. Uh, the feel of the racing is impeccable, even though like the polished layer and the rest of the game isn't there. I do think they've got the feel of the cars basically perfect. Yeah, but because of the nature of, like, the way they're laid out, I'm like, every time I switch a new car, I'm like, well, I feel like I have to, like, replay half the game to learn how this fucking car works, because they're not just going to tell me, on this one, lay off the throttle when you turn. That's all I need. Uh, It's very strange, because, uh, like, the game has, um, like, a Grand Prix system after the main story. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, I think like an expanded Grand Prix would have been better than the story in the first place. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really necessarily know how, how to solve this. But I'm like, I there's probably a better way to like ar- arrange the pieces so that people can play the game and, and get into it. like a better on ramp to the real game of doing score attacks for each ca- kind of car. Yeah. Um, yeah, and- I mean the the nature game being a score attack arcade racer is also just like I when I, I like racing games a lot, but what I like to do is play the campaign and then put the game away. <laughs> play something else. <laughs> and that's just um, not what this game like that's not where this game shines at all. Yeah, because you get like a, one of the big complaints is why is there no collision in this game? Um I don't I don't particularly care about that. I don't I think collision would make this game way worse for one. It would make this game so much worse. Like even in the high budget version, I don't think there yeah. should be it's for the same reason there's no collision in track mania. You yeah. need the tracks to be like in a game about positioning in a drift, you can't make the tracks have to account for having multiple people side by side because then when you're on the track on your own, it becomes easy to turn the corner. That's just yeah. like fundamental design things. Yeah. Um But in addition to there being no uh, collision, there's also no AI in the game. Uh, every car you're racing is like a programmed ghost, right? Yeah. Because uh, it's re- really fucking hard to make car AI. Yeah. But it does mean there's no dynamic challenges. There are only like different versions of time trials. And I think the game does, I think the modes at least, do a really good job of like stretching that in ways that are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they really push that very far, but I don't think necessarily the Im- implementation of those modes into like a full story is that successful. Uh I really wish the story was switching up between cars. I wish it was written. I wish it was written better, and I wish the music was better because I, I like the aesthetic. I like the look of the game. I think the like sunset vibes. Are I great. think I think like the color, like the art design of the game is pretty good. I don't. I don't think it has a pretty good. I don't think it has a very good sense of speed though. Um. Why? It does. It totally does. I just. I just think there's like a graphical layer of like the blur or whatever just missing from the game. It just doesn't have it in the way that I'm looking for. 
I think sometimes it has like, like little fits and spurts, but like I think too much, too many of the levels are like big open city or wilderness areas that just don't feel like I'm going that fast. Anytime there's like a mountain, like a downhill mountain, or like the one of the DLC tracks is like you're on like a riverfront. It's like a city that like opens up into like a little underground tunnel, and then you're like on like the river culvert, like Terminator Two. I guess is my my pull for this. I think that's like the best track in the game. I fucking love it. I think it's so super cool. Um, that yeah, the, the aesthetic of that track is really cool because you're going between so many different yeah. Like in the DLC, you're switching between different environments so much more rapidly. Yeah. But there's there's that there's that one city track that's like in the base game where you do a lot of like hairpin turns. It's like, oh, it's like what if Monaco was just like the world's most boring city? Um because uh, those hairpin turns are not happening near like the fucking casinos of Monaco. It's just like here's more of the buildings. And it just doesn't feel like there's a sense of place or like identity or speed to it to me. Which is just like an art problem, but like I it's not solvable, but people making this game, it's just when I get nitpicky about why this game is not like hitting for me the way it does for you the only thing i can point to is things like that because the game controls really well i enjoy playing it Mm -hmm. i mean i I like i think uh better writing and better music would go a long way yeah uh like when when i I played when i played uh ridge racer r4 this year um i play it has like three campaigns of different difficulties kind of like this game they have like a nice little story about like you're you got a race car team driver who's like down on their luck and you're helping them out and you bolster the team and they reveal their backstory and then you complete it and whatever and you finish the game you unlock some you can unlock some new cars you can do grand prix and time trial mode with but i played all three campaigns and i put the game away done and satisfied because the initial layer of the story writing and the aesthetics were high because it's namco making the video game right yeah uh and like this, this, you're not gonna get that i'm sorry yeah I like no I no and like, this is a this is like a not a moral failing but this is like a this is like a taste problem that is hard to surmount for a certain type of indie right like and people freely admit this is a regular problem making what a do video you do game, when the audience's taste yeah. is i like when things have millions of dollars like what, yes. what, what how do you like overcome that as like you a, don't th- you, you fucking don't apparently because this game was not very like it's very beloved by the people who played it but very few people played it and that sucks because yeah. it's a really good game um like even even i mean among people who played it like people didn't come back right yeah. like for the dlc like i think i think it did okay ish in its initial yeah. thing because it definitely got like the the high concept hook got eyes on it but yeah. it didn't like hook people in as much as it uh i feel it should because like i don't know if you've been saying the criticism i've been mostly agreeing but i do genuinely think beneath that it is completely worth going through the driving is that good i like yeah, i mean this is cars. this is not a game i dislike i think people should play if you like driving games the control system is really unique it feels really good when you get when you find a car that you like groove with and just like slide around turns like in ludicrous speed and irresponsibility it feels incredible <laughs> uh yes yeah uh it's just really satisfying to yeah because like making this this dual angled system where you're like keeping your turn angle and your drift angle together yeah. uh engages a different part of your brain to the yeah. like breaking line thing um mm-hmm. and it's one that just makes more logical video game sense i've never driven a car right uh oh, so well. <laughs> i mean here's the thing is like one of the things that going into this was like weird for me is I like driving games. I like driving a car. I don't like drifting in video games that much, even though I'm like an initial D like weirdo. Like I enjoyed it. The anime initial D. I like Euro B. I don't like the act of drifting. I like doing clean lines in like European yes. sports cars. That's me too. Like in, in I, I like the breaking line driving games. And I, yeah. especially like lately, the last couple of years I've been pushing further into them. Played them or like course, rally games where the, the drift is kind of a thing that happens to you more than a thing that you decide to do. Yeah. Well, I I like drifting in games, and I like drifting in like initial D or whatever. But yeah. it's not a real thing. It's not a. Yeah. It's not a. It's not possible. And even in the games with really good drifts, like Outrun or Burnout, 
uh it's just a kick out it's just a kick out you do and it's very satisfying and you know ridge race as well just a nice kick out i love a drift uh but there's no like there's no mechanical depth to it drifting beyond like exactly your braking angle and the time you do well, it. yeah the games where there is mechanical depth like you can drift in forza but it's a pain in the ass drifting right. so hard yeah and you can't that's the other way which is you make the like realistic drifting game but then it becomes about like manipulating your brake like you turn with your brake because you're on a drift and you're doing all these things because it's like the drifting simulator this is the only game that i've played that has like simulated what it feels like to watch initial d and control that because that's not a real thing so in many ways this is this is this is modern control street fighter right where like you get to do the high level stuff but not have to worry about the mechanical complexity i was gonna say it's like the um pod racer game in terms of like it's you're yeah. controlling a fictional thing that doesn't exist yes. this yes, kind of true. driving is that's fake. also true yes um but it still relies on like a logic that you can see uh yeah. just it, and have from it, culture it allows you to understand the the like tech right behind drifting like w- the theory why you would drift what what it means to over under like steer out like do you want to push it all away in your like oversteering or not um without having to understand how all your tires work in tandem and your brakes and all that right you can just do it with two sticks um yes absolutely yeah uh, me, like I come, I, I come here critical because I know that you really liked it and I, I had the kind of a more muted position. I think this game is absolutely worth playing. I think if you're going to get it, get the DLC. Even though the story of the DLC is also bad, the, the new tracks are fucking good. Those DLC tracks are the best tracks in the game. The story is better though. Like they do add a little bit of conflict. There. Yeah, but um, I just, ultimately I was already like, uh, and I, I still see the same like ideas behind it. I'm like, this isn't it. I just, I like the story, my thing with the story is I'm like, they need both in the music and the story there needs to be some energy and some conflict yes uh, the thing about drifting the thing that makes drifting cool and the thing that makes initial d cool, like the game's called inertial drift they're pulling on initial d but then they're like they don't have Eurobeat in the main game because they were like it's clearly like oh you'd expect that right it'd be too obvious mm-hmm. um and then everyone complained they're like fine fuck it we'll put Eurobeat in um yeah but uh, you don't have running in the 90s so what are we doing here <laughs> uh well yeah that's the thing is it's like it's not necessarily Eurobeat that I want, though I do appreciate it. I like a yeah. good bit of Eurobeat. It is uh, high. En- it, it is something that when I hit the drift, the hit the perfect drift to like finally catch up with the guy I hate, uh, yeah. I need a fucking sick tune playing while that happens. Yes. Um, and that's just like a kind of like narrative moment that's just really hard to do without doing it bespoke every time. Yes. Um, so I understand why they don't try, but that is absolutely the thing that's like missing uh, from that formula. Mm-hmm. Um I do wish it just had higher energy music. It doesn't have to be Eurobeat, but I think like chill vibe video essay music is not necessarily what I'm looking for. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I do agree. Just in general, just not a type of music I like very much. Yeah. If I was um, designing this game, I would have designed it so that you could put MP3s in a folder and it would read them and it would do all the volume leveling stuff because I would know, just like how Football Manager knows, you're going to put all the real logos in the game and then it would play running on the 90s. It's so rare that games do that, even in like indie games on Steam anymore. It has to be harder to do than you think. It has to be, right? It has to be yeah. harder because there are certain games where it's been done, like um, Rebel Galaxy, yes. right? The- yes, yes. The game was like, they know that they When I played you. Rebel Galaxy, I had folders because they even separated out. Here's folders for combat. Here's folders of exploration. Here's folders of base. And you just pull any MP3s you had in those folders for when the game was in those areas. And it was incredible. But I've never seen a game since do it as well as that. Yeah. I've only seen like, oh, if something else is playing, we won't play our own music, but they won't like do different context things on yeah. different levels. Yeah. Uh, which is the thing I'm really looking for. Yeah. And uh, how it's implemented. Yeah. 
so when I'm exploring, it's fucking Stellaris music, and then some pirates come out, and it switches to Cowboy Bebop music, and like it's corny, but that's what I want. Like that's the point. <laughs> I mean, that game was they were, they basically sent out a press release saying put Cowboy Bebop in the game yourself. God damn it! <laughs> yes, <laughs> like that was an advertised feature. Yeah, uh, but it must be just hard to do because like yeah, you know, it's difficult. Yeah, and, and seemingly like seemingly nobody does it. And like I understand the world of like Steam Decks and Switch games being the best sellers. Nobody like that stuff doesn't play in the same way. You could probably run Steam Deck, but it'd be a real pain in the ass. I think Steam's like getting way harder to sell on these days. Oh yeah, that's true too. There was that like spirit spiritier thread that happened the other day that had a whole bunch oh. of unrelated discourse. Yeah, uh, not talking about not talking about that nonsense. No. Um, just the idea talk- of like the the average indie game doesn't sell as well often because the ma- market is very oversaturated with big games already. Specifically, that like everyone's on Steam now, and it Steam is like the highest selling platform for big games now. So like getting yeah. an indie game notice on Steam is so impossible, where it's getting a notice on Switch or on Game Pass is much easier. Yeah, um, and so like stuff like that that was uh, like uh, de- I guess it makes sense that Steam's where like harder to get like. There are definitely games that I see on like this would have two years ago this would not have been a sub 100 review game um and now it is yeah huh? yeah uh all right uh our final game is Silent Bomber the 1999 arcade action game for the PlayStation developed by CyberConnect That's true So you played i don't even know how you played this game but at some point you had played this game and were really high on it and it talked about it uh and then i was watching sean Johnson a couple of weeks ago and uh, in one of his early like obscure playstation games he plays this and it, immediately i was like oh i we have i have to play this and so when we knew how to grab it coming up i suggested doing this one and you were very excited to revisit it and talk about it yeah sure was um how did you end up finding this in the first because you're not like a psx dumpster diver <laughs> um uh, i found it because the um uh the charlie the gaming brick guy was talking oh, about okay it. i was like a, this is like a weird cool ps1 action game and i was like damn that looks cool and then i played it and i was like i like Bomberman, but this is like what if Bomberman was like a devil may cry combo game that sounds but also, so fucking but also cool. had like the aesthetics of metal gear solid <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes. and also like 1999 sci-fi ps1 games are the greatest aesthetic of all time you can't beat it it can't be done you can't do it now you can't fake it you had to be there uh you uh, had to just be there for iron hunter you would, couldn't would you fake like it. would you like to tell me the plot of silent bomber checks not particularly <laughs> silent bomber is set in a sci-fi universe where there's a space war uh don't ask me any more than that um there is a big ship uh, called dante that is attacking the planet that is the planet i guess it's just the planet I guess it has a name but uh the the forces of the alliance or whatever are trying to stop the the dante from destroying the planet uh and Working for them is a soldier called Utah, who seven years ago in the tutorial level uh, was a uh, baby soldier uh, learning his little bomb trade um, and had to kill a bunch of guys in this mission. And then it was revealed there were civilians. And then his response to that is to become the Joker and accept that he is a weapon of the state. And, and by the Joker, you mean like taciturn and doesn't ever talk. <laughs> uh, yes, but Joker he does- traits. I guess I guess it's not really the Joker, but he is like he does see the violence and just accept. I am the nihilistic, uh, like force of violence. Now I yes. will follow the orders and kill whoever needs to be killed. Um, but also work for like the good guys, like clearly and obviously. Yes, you're just working for like the alliance type against the yeah. big evil spaceship that wants to destroy the planets. Yeah. Um, and so you. <laughs> You land on, on the Dante and you have a mission to go take it out. 
uh, and you, the bulk of the game is proceeding through the dungeon. It's like kind of like Vanquish. You land on a big spaceship uh, and you just kind of go through it. And yes. not very much plot happens for about two thirds, other than like occasionally meeting your other like team members. Uh, your oh, the the, the Rouge member. the Bat analog shows up and is sexy at you briefly, and you're like, "Are you going to betray me?" And she's like, "Nah, I'm over it." <laughs> no, I'm I'm not I'm not that it's not that kind of circus. I'm more going to go shopping over it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but he does. He's like, "Oh, are you, what are you doing?" Like she's suspicious and she's not <laughs> yeah uh and then you have like your commander gets kidnapped and you save her and you're like yeah, i need I, it was it, i don't like you actually it was just because i need someone to give me orders i'm not sundre at all i could never be uh and then um the other guy uh benoit you're uh obviously the one guy on the mission who's obviously evil and he sits on the spaceship like uh playing with a little chess pawn yes uh, just like being evil at everyone, like <laughs> I Turns wonder out what's he's happening. And he's been manipulating things all along. Yeah, uh, his plan was to like he was the reason that all the the like uh, data leaked to the enemy, and the enemy were there because he knew you would overcome them because he wanted you to be a, a decoy and make it to the bridge with him, where he has taken out the auto taken control of the autonomous AI that controls the entire ship, uh, destroyed the like not they're not humans, but like the aliens that were previously in charge of it. Um, and now unleash the AI uh, and set it to the task of destroying the planet as efficiently as possible, by which it will be dropping on it, I guess. Uh, and in order to stop him, you must go through the final dungeon of Final Fantasy XIII uh, and then play a big chess game with your bombs by blowing up every chess piece for 20 minutes and then have a sick duel with your rival, uh, Benoit, for the final boss fight. And he can drop the same bombs as you, which is pretty cool. It's it's cool every time that happens in any game. Uh and uh you beat him and then he's like happy you beat him uh, for reasons that are unclear i'm like i guess he's happy that i can do violence but then he's like i guess you've won utah uh that's okay you saved the day uh <laughs> three years later in comic sans font um your commanding <laughs> officer is like oh we all escaped but utah had to go the other way and i don't know what's happening anymore and how i can move on uh after the the threat of the dante had uh, uh like been eliminated everything like fell into back to regular factional conflict and not stop the death star factional conflict so i didn't want to be in the army anymore so i'm on my own uh and then who could walk in but a mysterious guy that looks a little like utah the, the thing the, the thing about the plot is it looks like metal gear because it's you know it's late playstation anime cutscenes, right which is metal gear to me um but the actual story content is world's dumbest gundam stardust memory fanfic it's so fucking <laughs> stupid <laughs> it's so incredibly stupid what a stupid ass video game i loved it i had a great time too I, no, the story is just it's it's like crappy in all the ways that i want a game from 1999 to be crappy um you know you fight multiple robots that could just be gundams with the the numbers serial numbers filed off um and you blow every guy <laughs> you fight is like noble and thinks you're so cool for being the avatar of war and is super happy to be killed by you yes uh, which is normally like that's like one character in a story but this is everyone on the bad guy's side yeah um and then the actual game is like frantic what if Bomberman was a shmup <laughs> yes um because it's like a twin stick game where you run around no. and you, you 
No, no, no. It's not twin stick game. Well, that's true. Game. But like it has the aesthetics of a twin stick game, I guess. Because you're like moving and you're aiming independently of your moving a lot of times. Um, but you can set bombs down or you can point them at guys and like lock onto them if you hold down the button. And you can stack up to eight bombs and you have a default bomb that's like free. And then you have bombs you have to collect ammo for that are way better. Um, and then you can detonate them with another button. And there's like a dodge roll. And that's basically it. Is you're like frantically placing bombs on the ground for guys to roll over or you're throwing bombs at guys and stacking them up and then blowing them up as you avoid taking damage that's the entire mechanical depth of the video game <laughs> yeah so when i first played it i played it the first three levels i'm like this game's fucking incredible uh so we we should do this one day and yeah, there's, back there's 14 it. levels i would say about 10 of them are really good <laughs> yeah uh and then coming back to it, it's like man this doesn't actually have the source the whole time no um and more than it not having the source like realizing oh this isn't a devil may cry this isn't an action game in the modern character action sense it's not about the expressive move sets uh in a variety of levels. no it's, it's bomberman robotron uh it's an s game right it's like yeah. the levels are like the mechanics are the same and they're very simple and occasionally we'll have different like kind of challenges we've got the really fucking terrible level with uh a bunch of massive tanks stuck in tiny little tubes for some oh, reason why so do we have this level f- i don't know why it's there uh that was peak like why is this level in castlevania i don't know to me um, um like, occasionally the, your games have bad but levels. like multiple multiple levels of the game are walk around a big maze and look for giant machines that have target glowing on them and then blow them up which is truly every arcade game ever made <laughs> yes yes so it's extremely uh an arcade game um a NES game. I mean, there's yeah. two different things, but like it is in, uh, even for 1999, it feels like a throwback in its design yes, sensibilities. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're like, oh, this is like, if there was a different version of this that was like endless and was like, oh, this is like on the Naomi boards in the arcades, I'm like, yeah, of course. Makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. And so I came away thinking, like, not disappointed, but I'm like, I would have liked the Zone of the Enders 2 to this Zone of the Enders 1. And to yes, this, this is, much is, better this is extremely... Playing this, I was like, this has a lot of Zone of the Enders vibes. Where, like, you see some ideas, doesn't really have the depth, it's really short, none of the characters really gel or make sense, and then the, the answer is not to make it make sense, it's to just push it even further in the sequel. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Zone of the Enders 2, one of my favorite games of all time, uh, it's not like the story suddenly gets good. In fact, yeah. it gets significantly worse. It's not worse. like it adds like, a bunch of mechanical depth, it just gives you a lot of really sick boss fights instead. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was I was telling you that I think Zone of the Enders one to two is the highest gap in quality I've ever seen in my life between two games that are fundamentally the exact same. Um, uh, I would say Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry two, but in the opposite direction. That's true. You know what? That's true. <laughs> um, that might that might be bigger uh, in the opposite direction. Yeah. Uh, in terms of positive jumps, though, this is yeah. the one for me. Yeah. This because... is the, yeah. I think I might agree with you on that one. And I think this is significantly better as a starting point than uh, Zone Enders 1 was, which I thought was a generally very, very boring game as you just yes. do the same five yes. attacks over and over again. Uh, this has like really interesting level design variation. Like the, the mazes are different. The things you have to do are different. Occasionally they'll be like, it's time to fight the bioweapons now. Oh, the bioweapons to- are really cool because you, you meet them in a stage where they're like, they're in tubes and some of the tubes shatter and some of them don't, which is my favorite thing. And... <laughs> They, they're just like big monsters with big claws. They're like kind of like the hunters in Resident Evil, basically, is what they look like, but re- like really big. Um, So-called free-minded millennials when they walk past a lab in a video game where half the tubes are broken. <laughs> um, and uh, so you can you can normally target them and they run around and they slash at you. But it, you it, once you hit them like about six or seven times, their arms fall off. And now they have like a weird like acid blood attack, but also you can't target them. And I think it's really neat that it makes they're like the only enemy that really makes you switch up how you approach them because once they don't have arms you have to place bombs on the ground to blow them up 
Yeah. And the thing I realized finally was like, I actually don't need to lock on as much as I thought. No. I did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually think one of my like things with the game is I would have just preferred, a, I guess, a, a greater emphasis on the placement of the bombs. Yes. Because uh, the most satisfying thing to do is to make a chain of bombs and have it all knock off and they all get two things like chaining in them. You're like, damn, that rocks. Um, but the score combo multiplier is so tight on timing that you yes. basically have no, like, there's no time for planning like that. It is a frantic um, video game. Yeah. So it's really difficult to like chain those things together. And I think it ultimately incentivizes a kind of play where you're just two bombs, go, two bombs, go, two bombs, lock on, go. Two, like yeah. every, that's like the most efficient and best way to play. Yes. Um, and so it just doesn't quite reach the potential of what's clearly there, which is I want to be just like bam, 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 ducking and weaving past guys, dropping 16 bombs and then letting them all off at once. Yeah. Uh, and the times I do get to do that are incredible because the, the little fire gif, it plays, it's not a gif, but the little fire sprites uh, is amazing. Uh, the way things break up into their new little charred 3D models, incredible. Yes. Uh, I love it. Perfect explosions. Yeah. Um, little slow down every time you get the bomb. Boom. Beautiful, beautiful game. Yes. Uh, it's really interesting because like, I think my favorite boss is the really annoying asshole where you have to like, he has like saw blades that he shoots out and you have to target the saw blades and then ha- have them retract the saw blades behind his shield before you blow them up. I think that guy is really fun. It's like the only yeah. like actual tactics boss in the video in the entire video game. Yeah, I, that's the kind of stuff that you would like in a sequel that would push further, right? They're yeah. Like, what are the ways in which these mechanics can be pushed into different interactions? And the one where like placing the bombs doesn't explode the bombs, so you can move them between placements because if you place them on a thing that's moving, that you know, the, the bombs will be in a different place and you can explode them at certain times. Yeah. Um, is one of the obvious ways, and it doesn't actually happen that much because it's too frantic. The, the gap between putting down the bombs and exploding them is usually less than half a second yeah even though it's like a even though it's like a manual explosion button you basically are just doing it as soon as you can get out of the way yeah it's just like i press x as many times as i need to press x and i've jumped once and then by the time i'm doing my second jump i'm already going to y i'm pressing yeah uh pressing triangle i guess i was playing like controller but yes oh yeah duck oh. station yeah i was playing on my Not you. with an actual yeah. controller yes um but yeah uh I, I had a lot of good fun with it it's like very it is very thin um but it's also from an era when games could be thin and still really cool because also the game's like four hours long um and there's like there's like a challenge mode you unlock with like like a mission where you just do runs with different characters from the video game and they all play a little differently it's like all right um it's just neat video games used to be this all the time mine one of these at the of the era was like omega boost which is a very goofy mm-hmm. like first person mech mecha shooter game um with r- amazing fmv cutscenes. um that oh, is this also is cool yes uh that is also one of these where it's like this could be deeper but it's also really neat anyone who remembers omega boost is like fuck yeah omega boost because literally every time i bring it up people are excited <laughs> And the I think perspe- Silent Bomber is one of these too. The perspective on the gun on the Omega Boost cover is making me laugh so hard. Um, this was a touch point for our um, igloo box art. I told Dylan kind of go for the. What does Dylan give me a pose? I was like, what is this a little more like the Omega Boost cover? Okay, incredible. Yes. And Dylan, of course, has played Omega Boost. Um, well, yeah, this is the most yeah. Dylan core fucking video game this side of uh, a PS One um, front mission. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really glad I played it. Um, the thing about the PlayStation, when you go looking at the games, is so many of them were like, the thing where people are like, oh, video games need to be like 15, 20 hours, just didn't exist on the PlayStation. Every game was like six hours long at most, and you fucking liked it. Unless it was an RPG, in which case it was 80 hours long. <laughs> a PS1 is more likely to be 40. Yeah. 
I was thinking about the, I was thinking I was thinking about like uh, Final Fantasy Nine and like uh, Star Wars Two and the really oh, long when ones. you get to like the late PS One, yeah. yes. Um, the, the, I mean, late PS One versus early PS One are basically two yes. different consoles. But the PlayStation is littered with a bunch of like four hour games that are just some of the coolest games you've ever seen, and no one's played any of them. Yeah, I mean, I like the aesthetic. There's a bit where you like it's not a city because you're all in the one set, but you basically like descend over a big city at one point. Yes. Uh, and unclear whether it's just like pylons or whether it's like buildings on the ship. Yeah. Uh, and I was just thinking, like, man, literally nothing looks better than the late PlayStation aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, the, the Iron Honda generation. Yeah. It's just sick. It's just a really fun game. Um, very approachable. It's good. I was really glad we got to play it, and it was as cool as you said it was. Yeah. I had a great time. I don't have like necessary super deep thoughts, but no. um, I had a good time. Uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't end up engaging with the like combo systems as much as I wanted to. Cause I was hoping like, Oh, I'm going to really enjoy like chasing score and pushing, you know, it's just a little too frantic for that. It's too frantic. And it's not interesting. Um, like, like, like there's I, a mo there's a version of that game where you re you learn how much damage all of your like limited ammo bombs do and you know which enemies are weak because some of the enemies are more weak to ones than others so you know how to stack those up and know exactly how many bombs to place and you're just tearing through the game really fast but like that becomes like the people who really care about ikaruga combo systems and not action game guys right yeah because when i'm looking for a score system like this i'm looking for one that like just pushes me into interesting hopefully emergent interactions right like i don't want to have to have a script i'm planning right i want yeah. to be reacting to the enemies and doing the best things i can um and just designing a score system for this kind of game is like hard right like i love ninja gaiden and i enjoy the score system but the score system in ninja gaiden is also kind of terrible in that like the game you're playing when you're playing the score in ninja gaiden is simply a different video game because it's all about charging one attack where you don't press the button very much yeah uh like and that's just like we implemented a score system and fundamentally changed the game more than almost anything any like actual additional mechanic could yeah. uh just and that's the extreme. I, I can't think of many games that can radically change as much as playing Ninja Gaiden for score. But it is very hard to like, okay, you've made your action game system. It has a bunch of things you can do. How do you like, what m modes of play are you going to push by the score system? And this ultimately made me feel like by it being purely like, all it was was a combo. Like it's a combo that linearly goes up and then maxes out at 10 for every explosion. So your only thing you're thinking about is how quickly can i blow more things up uh and i'm like well it's not really rewarding you for being precise right you don't get rewarded for missing for missing you only get rewarded for spending too much time not having things blow up so it's not a precision thing it's purely frantic gotta get everything out and i'm like it was just a little too frantic i wasn't like thinking about it that much, so i just kind of enjoyed the play and got through the game yeah used a lot of safe states in that final mission because holy shit you gotta do the chess game again oh the chess, the chess game, game is again. the worst i literally thought i was doing something wrong i was like do i need to move like chess pieces to counter the chess pieces is it like a whole thing like that one episode of batman animated series where i have to like act like chess and no there's just 800 guys to blow up and if you die after that it's fucked also the the final boss the big giant guy has like a grabbing move that is just like it's nearly impossible for me to dodge i was really bad at dodging his grab to be fair, it's because your dodge kind of sucks. I yes. think it's very satisfying to move, but like when you're being asked to do action game dodges with it, which you occasionally are, especially against bosses, uh, it's not quite up to the task. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do All right. Do. We're going to have a musical break and we're going to go to questions.
All right, it's time for questions. If you'd like to send an email, so you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast.gmail.com. They can be about any video games, not just what we're covering at any given time. Our first one's from Emrys, who literally sent in this email on Shenmue as we were wrapping up, like, the episode had already come out, or we had already been done recording, and we were, like, exporting our audio uh, for Shenmue last time. Um, so it seems to me a lot of complaints about Shenmue come down to the friction. It creates accomplishing tasks. Instead of getting you go from objective to objective, you have to wait t- for time or muddle around. Obviously, this is intentional in Shenmue and a major point of game. And honestly, that's what makes it work. Kind of reminds me of Outer Wilds and having to get some somewhere, then waiting 15 minutes till the right event occurs to reach something new. Um, so can you think of any games that take much, too much of that friction away? Is there a game that makes it just a little too easy to wait around for the thing to happen? Uh, I mean, this is just the history of Dead Rising. Yeah, this is the complaint some people have with the 3DS Majora's Mask, is that the the new songs of time make the game too easy to meddle with. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was saying this in the episode, like, I don't think I'd want it the other way. I mean, this was like part of the conversation with, with um, Crystal was like, I couldn't tell because of how freely I can manipulate it if it was the manipulation that was the problem or if I would just be manipulating but slower with the old way. Yeah. Uh, or if it was like a more broader design problem because it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do think the Majora's Mask is so like you can get so track focused on the th- qu- current thing you're doing, and then just it's easy to reset the loop. Um, the the time loop kind of ceases to matter. You just do one mission each time, and like all right, time to reset. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's Dead Rising Mounds to answer this. Like you just see it in real time. You're like two takes a bit of the friction away. Um. Not so much that it's like lost, and then three is just like it's basically gone, and then four doesn't even bother pretending. That's fair. Yeah. I uh, I don't really play a lot of games with this kind of friction because I don't enjoy this kind of friction that much, so I don't really think about it too often. Yeah, you don't like timers. It's a miracle you liked Outer Wilds. Uh, that's because it's really good. Also, the loops yeah, you are just have to be chill. the best game ever. Yeah, uh, to overcome that one, it's a it's a really low bar. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, Ancient Mecca writes in. 
Uh, through an unfortunate turn of events, you have been cursed. Two de- demons stand before you, and you must submit to one of their curses. On the left is the Shenmue demon, whose curse prevents you from being home between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. On the right is the new Super Mario demon. All music throughout the world will have wah-wahs inserted into it. Yes, all music. And you must do a little pose every time it happens. Which do you pick? Well, I've got a. I mean, that's not. It's not an easy. I'm not happy about either of them, but that's not an easy choice. I, I immediately it was choice. like, this is the easiest choice in the world to me, ancient. I mean, I'm going. I'm just going to go out. I'm just going to get used to going out. I'm just going to be taking things with me. Um, oh no, I go the other way. I want to be home all the time. I love being home. I hate not being home. I will wah wah for the rest of my life. I don't give a fuck. You have. Everything has music. You're watching the TV. You're watching a fucking movie, and it's doing like the fucking Empire Strikes Back, uh, you know, em- Emperor's March shit. And wah wah every time. Every time you got to stand up, you got to do the pose. Uh, kill me right now. Absolutely going out. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll happily do the wah wahs. I think Ancient assumed we'd all pick this too, because Ancient was like, "Yes, it includes weekends, holidays, snow days, hot summer days. You have to go out." And I was like, "No, you don't understand. I um, I'm always going to pick the wah wahs." This is, like, philosophically terrifying for me about humanity that someone exists who would not pick the going out one. I love I being home. I love being home. Are you kidding me? I can't go home till 9 p.m.? What am I going to do with myself? I'd find a second home. Like, that's not, that's, I homey? think that's violating the purpose. It's literally, you have to fucking have the arcade. You're, you're going to Starbucks and waiting till they close before you can go home. I mean, I would like make homes in other places, right? I would find a friend or something. I hate no. I I don't want. I don't want to hang out with people. I don't like people. I don't want to do any of that. I want to go home. I want to fucking go home and be in my bedroom by myself. Well, apparently you got to turn the fucking music off in every game you play. Otherwise, you're going to be going wah wah every ten seconds. That's fine. I'll happily wah wah. Absolutely crazy. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Sickness. No. <laughs> it's fine. I, I picked my demon. I'm happy with it. I get to fucking go home. Apparently, apparently. Um, Autumn writes in, you're an outrun girlfriend. What ludicrous demands are you making of your racer boyfriend? What color is his Ferrari? Uh, I mean, the Ferrari's red. Like, I mean, it's a boring question, but I feel like... Oh, the Ferrari's yellow. I, I like the yellow one. The the idea that you would be driving a Ferrari an hour and two but change the color is like playing Metal Gear Solid 5 and choosing not Big Boss to me. I'm like, what are you doing? Yellow Ferrari. I guess yellow is a. I just think of yellow as the Lamborghini color when it comes to canonical yeah. sports car colors. That's you're not wrong, but I like the yellow one. Uh, red Ferrari. That's just the color of Ferraris. Anyway, the, he's got to drive backwards. Oh, I was gonna say uh, we gotta go through uh, every drive-through and get a drink every time. If we see a drive-through, we must go through and get a drink. I was much more thinking mechanically within the focus of our. <laughs> 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 not that my boyfriend's picking me up every single novelty milkshake that can be achieved. <laughs> Way too gamer brain, apparently. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was boring thinking about the mechanics. I forgot about cars and drive-thrus and how things you can do. Yeah. Um, Luke writes in, Inertial Drift is a game that stands between for its unique driving model. What's your favorite driving model and what do you like about it? What's the most unique and interesting one you've run into if it's a different answer? Well, yeah, it's definitely a okay. different answer. Okay, so obviously I can't just answer inertial drift for all of these. My favorite uh, driving model is uh, like Dirt 2, I think is my favorite. Dirt Rally 2, sorry, not Dirt 2. Um, I think my favorite is probably just got to be Burnout Paradise. Mm. Um, but it's not very unique and interesting. It's just a really good one. It might it might be Ridge Racer 7, but I haven't played it enough. Like, But Ridge Racer like the 7 is 
truly incredible they should release that again properly i know they've put out six on the um um uh, most most unique uh not most interesting most unique is probably pokemon dash which was an early DS game where you raced oh, Pokemon fucking... by fucking rubbing the screen yes. violently. Oh. That game was fucking terrible. I 100%ed it because, of course, I did. Um, <laughs> uh, I think my most interesting one, um, it's not that interesting, but I did like it, is Uniracers, the um, the 2D, it's like a SNES racer. Um, I think it's by, is it Rockstar People? It might be Rockstar People. I'm not going to look it up. Um uh, but Uniracers uh, had where you're, you're like sentient unicycles and it's all about like balancing your lean as you go around loops and stuff. And I remember liking that a lot. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess my one is like, you know, I really like this is Star Wars Episode 1 Racer. Racer I like Episode Racer. Racer, especially when you're using two N64 controllers and you're dual sticking it for full on chariot action. That was always really fun. I mean, that's the only... If you're not doing that, you're not playing Episode 1 Racer. Um, to me, like, that, well, I usually would say Racer Revenge, even though I think, like, the courses are a little... I've never played now. Racer Revenge. I've only played hey, Episode 1 They made Racer. it again, and it, you've got two analog sticks and two controllers, so it's way yeah. easier to play Star Wars Episode 1 Racer. Yeah, but is it as cool as holding two N64 controllers? I think not. I've never done that specifically. I've only <laughs> ever done it on one controller, even when I've been emulating the uh, original... Um, um, I really like uh, Wave Race also, just for the the way the water physics affect your vehicle. I think is like oh, really I incredible. do like Wave Race. Yeah. What was the um? Was it Wave Race or was it Wave Hydro Thunder? What was the Xbox Live one? Oh, that's Hydro Thunder. That's that's Hydra a very Thunder. different. I mean, it also has. It's not. It's not nearly as co- like complicated as Wave Races. Wave Race is the Nintendo jet ski racing game. They made a GameCube sequel called Blue Storm, and that was it. Oh, Hydrogen is actual boats, but this is all of a piece to me. I don't remember what it was called. Maybe it was Wave Rave, but there, there was one of these that was regular in the arcades with the like. Hydro Thunder is the arcade game. Hydro Thunder is a game that me and my brother played a lot of back in the day. Okay, because I've played a lot of the Hydro Thunder Hurricane, which is the Xbox Live. Yes, version. I've also played a lot of Hydro Thunder Hurricane. I don't like it as much as Wave Rave, but it is pretty good. And I've also played the Jet Ski uh, arcade game. I don't remember what it's called. I don't know that one. I Like I said, I, I liked Wave Rave a lot. Um, wave runner oh, wave okay. runner uh detainer usa on water sure uh this is some this is fucking video games to me uh wave runner 60 frames per second hey i'm just gonna send you a couple images uh and we can all reminisce about how cool the year 1999 was uh yeah i mean it looks sick this is everything I want from gaming. I kind of suspect this doesn't have the like wave physics of the Nintendo games, though, where they did a lot of work on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have, I've, I don't, maybe I've not played Wave uh, Wave Racer then, because I've only I've played this one. I've played the Hydra Thunder. Though. I just kind of think of those all the piece, but I don't think I've specifically played Wave Racer. I guess I can just emulate the sixty four version. Yeah, Wave Race is just a fucking Nintendo game. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. Because I I do like the kind of like the the bouncing on the water racing yeah. games. They're just fun. Yep. Um. Anyway, uh, next question's from Devin. Uh, there's two questions. First one is not video games related, but I will take it. We've mentioned this on other things before, but Em, are you and Autumn planning on seeing The Boy and the Heron? Oh, you mean, uh, how do I live? In theaters? No. Uh, eventually, yes, we will be doing that. And we and I would not go to a theater to see that, uh, but we will do it for and then an airplane at some point, which is our Studio Ghibli watch through. You can find that at normalmapping.com. Just scroll until you find it and then an airplane and listen to us slowly lose our minds. We realize that Yamizaki's history's villain. Uh, um, did you change the feed? Did you make it a new feed? That's my question. Like, would it go in the Batman feed? Did you change the feed? Or did you make it? Uh, I feed? believe they're separate feeds. 
Okay. Yeah. I I'm pretty sure there's ever fiends. Because that we knew that would be coming back as they Studio Ghibli kept it was going to keep making movies. Did you see the news the news that like uh, oh, also said, Batman's a Batman's a um a Gotham City Limits, the name of that podcast, an export audio podcast, not an Oh right, that's podcast. how you did it. You yes. Did, yeah, so, yeah. Uh <laughs> see the news that Miyazaki was like he won't begin work on his new movie till after like the production the like promotion of this one's done and he's taking a bit of time to rest. I'm like, motherfucker, you're like 82. <laughs> Your last movie took a decade. You're not getting another one if you don't start right the second. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Um, and then our next question, um, and this I'm going to I'm going to say as a decree, as the person who runs this network, this is the last time people can pick on Jackson about this one. It's been 10 years. You got to give it up. Jackson, do you think Pokemon will be around in a decade? <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, well, as I say every time, if you listen to the episode, I wasn't even like, I just kind of threw it out there and then I immediately walk it back. And I'm like, no, it's not that kind of. You the, know, bit, the bit's not. dead. The bit's dead. It's been 10 years. Uh, you know better. You played them all. You got to let Jackson live. I like Pokemon now. <laughs> That's the other How thing. How does Jackson live when people stop pestering them about the Pokemon thing? <laughs> It's my fucking 10 games about brothers, apparently. Yes. Though no one, no one's picking on Brad for that. I'm picking on Brad about that in my heart. But no one's like bugging Brad about that today. I guess, I guess, that's, I guess they're just making the posts on yeah. where Brad can't see. <laughs> yes. I don't know Brad Shoemaker. Us making fun of him saying, name me 10 games better than brothers for a decade is not a thing he's aware of. <laughs> At least I hope not. I hope I don't suddenly hear from Brad Shoemaker out of the blue. Like, hey, I heard you were talking shit about brothers. Um, we don't even make that joke much anymore man anyway uh, uh and also phew. uh what pokemon game do you think looks best <sighs> this is like a spicy i think this is like a question that is actually kind of hard to answer and like really relies on you judging a, like multiple variables in your heart i don't think you can have it because there's just too modular like i think the gen 5 battle system looks the best uh, is that the, the like, is that the animated parts of sprites one? Yeah, that's yeah, the one. That where one. They do oh, that that is the one that looks the best in terms of like the battles themselves. Looks absolutely fucking amazing, and yeah. it will never look better than that. I think I think um, I'm boring, and my favorite world design is Gen Three. I like the the way the GBA sprites and stuff look with like the reflections and all the way they interact. But not, I think once they move to the DS, the the, the models just get too much. Yeah, that's why I was going. I was going to say. Uh, GBA well design, uh, Gen Five battle design. Yeah, um, is where I end up. Yeah, uh, because I do think like the when I think of like what Pokemon looks like in my head, I'm thinking of um, Fire Red, right? I'm thinking of the GBA aesthetic, uh, the little force reflections, the little like you walk over the uh, you, you know, in the one one place the grass dies behind you and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, the little like sprite sprite flourishes they do in the overworld, but I'm not thinking about the like. When you enter a new town, the perspective shift because the overworld's in 3D, but the sprites are in 2D and stuff that you get up to in the DS. Yep. Um, Emrys writes in this month for real, trying a novel approach of writing an email before the pod is recorded. <laughs> of course, I don't have a great question. I might think of one Saturday afternoon where it's too late. Uh, uh, Emrys has been watching me play Final Fantasy Tactics, which you can find on Patreon for $5, patreon.com slash Um, What surprised you most now that you've gotten further into Final Fantasy Tactics? 
if you could refrain from answering anything about the story, that'd be great. I'll be honest with you. I even if I did, it wouldn't matter because the story is it's just a generic ass anime war story. Um, not the I, best story of all time. No, I think the thing <laughs> that surprises me the most is the things I do like about the story are the things that we've talked multiple times about liking about specifically SNES Final Fantasy, where the the characters are driven by pantomime animation. And I think the game is really good about that stuff. Does a guy come out and like raise a sword up in front of his army and goes, hello. There's like a bit where Delita and Roms are like sitting on a hill doing the, like the grass slide whistle. And they like animate the grass, like pulling, picking up the grass and like blowing into it to the whistle noise. And then a horrible PlayStation sound effect comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it just got so much. There's like, cause there's a bit where like Roms then teaches the princess to do it. And she's like fumbling at it. It just like, it's got the good bits that I think like when I think when we talk about like Final Fantasy four, Final Fantasy six is like great games about character because they emote really well. I think that tactics carries on that tradition better than a lot. I mean, I guess seven and eight did it in their own way, but they're 3d models. It's just a little different. I just think they, they're still going into how to animate sprites really well and do that storytelling. And that's not the thing I was expecting from Tactics. Well, the, the thing that um, Tactics can do that 7 and 8 aren't doing is that, like, you get bespoke sprites for scenes, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of the time. Whereas when 7 and 8 are doing bespoke things, it's usually the scenes themselves that yes. are bespoke. Yes. Uh, so you don't get the, like, when they're doing sprite things it's just like the shrug right yes. you, get, you get some iconic animations that are reused but when they're doing like a pivotal bespoke moment they're going to do a full cg scene i mean that's true to a point but there's like the bit where uh selfie kicks Irvin down the stairs and that's just all in engine there's a lot eight in particular has a lot of like mo-capped in engine animations happening i guess i guess i'm mostly thinking about seven which yeah, is yeah. A lot of, seven like, doesn't have any of that stuff yes <laughs> like that's just like a oh, cloud's doing that shrug for yes. any emotion yes <laughs> oh he's gonna hold his head and shake re- violently <laughs> <laughs> yes uh i guess eight has a lot man eight, i should replay it not anytime soon. you know what? i know i shouldn't i've got two i've got other stuff going on but one of these <laughs> days in my life. i'm in a final fantasy hall i can't play more final fantasies but yeah. uh after after march you can play eight whenever you want no, no, no. After March plus six months of not thinking about Final Fantasy, I can play eight. Yep. Um, Jasper writes in, I really wanted to play the Kingsfield series with a friend uh, while exclusively not looking up anything about the game besides the manual. So I went to Vim's and grabbed the video game Kingsfield first in the series for the PlayStation 1. Little did I know that's actually Kingsfield 2. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even notice until someone in the Discord noticed that I was posting about the wrong one and corrected me. Um, yeah, it happens. My question is, what's the worst you've ever been owned by games marketing? Either this way or in some other way. For me, it was literally when I bought Final Fantasy Tactics because Final Fantasy Tactics was good. Because I liked Final Fantasy on the PlayStation. I went, oh, this is not it. This is not what I was looking for at all. Oh, not knowing about Tactics RPGs? Yeah. That happened to me with um, uh, Devil Summoner after watching the Endurance Run. Oh, yeah, or Devil, yeah. Devil Survivor. Devil Summoner yeah. was the... Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, the DS game that was a tactics game yes. after the endurance run. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna play the game that they're playing on the TV. And no, no, uh, uh, was no, not the time not. for me for that. Yeah, I bought tactics because I liked Final Fantasy. It was a new Final Fantasy. My friends said it was good. I was like, what is this shit? <laughs> you weren't ready. No, I wasn't ready. I, you um, know what? I might say I'm still not super ready. I need a lot of help to get through this that game. <laughs> yeah, but you're going in with open eyes and open yeah. hearts. Yeah, yeah, I'm having a pretty good uh, time. The game seems pretty good. For me, I think I said this before. For me, it was like I watched the E3 2006 Mass Effect gameplay demo so much. I wore that shit out. And one of the key components of that game's combat was pausing the combat to manually direct where, like, the position of your other enemies so you could set them up for flanking maneuvers and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And I was like, this is going to be the greatest game of all time. I can do like, I don't have to get like Twitch good at shooting, but I can command all my party members and switch is that between not in that and do game? cool things. No, no, it is fucking is it not P- in that is game. Is it in the PC version? No, okay. not in the sequels either. Not in fucking Mass Effect at all. Yeah. Okay. All you can do is choose what powers they use at any moment. Oh, you can't like right. position okay. them, and you, the only positioning things is just like a. Can you imagine a long mass effect would take if you had to fucking move your guys intentionally? Oh my god! Well, Baldur's Gate three is out now. Yeah, 120 uh, hours. No one's finished it. <laughs> I'm not saying the thing I wanted was necessarily yeah, a good yeah, no, thing, I but I was 14 and I did want that. My my one of these is buying fucking terrible Pokemon games over and over again. I I talked about Pokemon Rush, um, but hey, you Pikachu bought that do, barely fucking worked. Um, <laughs> Are you here to say to everyone like, oh, why don't we get spinoff games anymore? They're all shit. Is that what you're saying? No, oh, no, no. I'm saying there are good spinoff games. There are bad spinoff games, and most of the Pokemon ones are fucking bad. Uh, Pokemon Ranger, that's just drawing circles ruining your DS, the video game. <laughs> Every single person who got Pokemon Ranger ruined their DS within the month. I didn't within actually ruin my DS. I finished that game because I needed Manafi, and it's the only way to get it was the only way to get it at the time. Um and I did not ruin my DS because I was an adult and knew how to draw circles, and not ruin my DS. Uh question, you needed what now? Manafi. Who the fuck is Manafi? Manafi is the fucking legendary Pokemon you get for beating Pokemon Ranger. Yeah, do you mean Manafi? I mean Manafi. Manafi? <laughs> what the fuck is Manafi? I, I've never heard it said. I probably have watched Man- the Manafi movie, but I don't remember it. Man- the Manafi movie! I'm going insane! <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I hear someone say it out loud, please, before I <laughs> go crazy? You're probably right. This is probably one that I just have, like, never internalized the right pronunciation. But Manafi. Manafi! <laughs> You're right, because it's manatee, right? Like, ma- yeah, it makes total sense. Manafi. <laughs> driving, driving me crazy yeah I, that wasn't i didn't know what it was i know what uh Abadafi is um all right uh brim cracker writes in in passive neural mappings you played a lot of classic fps games like quake halo a few others you mentioned but didn't get dedicated episodes i understand why you never cover the multiplayer since they don't really fit the mode of criticism you do but have you ever considered playing the multiplayers for a few of those games using the format of a looser variety episode to talk about the experience of a couple of them together uh, I would love to. Hey, no. Em, do you want to get on some multiplayer games no. sometime? Here's the thing, <laughs> is I don't like playing multiplayer games. Hey, Em, do you want to play some, like, just, like, get in the server and play some Halo 2 for, like, three hours? No! <laughs> hey, man, hey, I was thinking maybe, hey, maybe we were going to get together and play some Halo 3 for a bit. You know, <laughs> I, what, pod, what podcast was it? Was it, was it, was it a normal mapping where I said I'd rather be waterboarded than play a board game? Like, I'm just not built for this. <laughs> Yeah, this is just M's uh, anti-multiplayer. It's a miracle that you got into Apex Legends. Just hit your kind I of socialization there's like, right. There's like about six people in the world that I'll sit down and play like some Street Fighter with. Um, they're all good friends of mine that I like hang out with. But they all understand that in like 90 minutes, going to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go. And they won't be mad about it. I feel like there's a lot of expectation about like, we're going to sit and we're going to hang out all afternoon. I just don't have the attention span for it. I, you know, I'm working on it. Um and I just, uh, yeah, I just, and then like, if I was just like playing like ran like randos, um, I've never played multiplayer. I mean, I played multiplayer Halo in college in 2004, like twice in my life. It was Halo 2. You, on the skills transfer, you'd be fucking fine. But like, um, I just think of like, whenever, whenever, this is the thing is you don't take opinion secondhand, but I think of fucking old man Gerstmann being like, yeah, I'll go play uh, m- multiplayer games. And I just get no scope by all the kids who play the games nonstop. <laughs> You wouldn't, we, 
in this in this hypothetical version, we'd be setting up a little uh, private lobby and yeah. playing some video games. Um, the actual answer but, is I just have no interest in playing multiplayer games as a person. Yeah. I've always been like this. Sorry. Yeah. I grew I up with none of my friends like, particularly liking video games or not the same mm-hmm. games I did. And I just never grew. I never like outside of a brief period where everyone was playing Smash and Goldeneye together. I just have never internalized video games or everything you play with other people. They're a thing I play by myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, I would absolutely do the like. Let's spend a week uh, sitting in the... Like, we'll spend the whole afternoon. We're going to play some fucking Modern Warfare 2. Uh, and it's going to be like 2008 again. Oh, you mean the new maps good. on Modern Warfare 3 for Modern Warfare 2? Nope. nope. No, no, no. no. Not <laughs> at all. I mean, getting an Xbox copy of the video game Modern Warfare 2 from 2009 by Infinity Ward. And um, sitting in a lobby. They really, like apex legend uh, like color corrected all those maps for the new release it's really funny i was watching digital fan i'm like these are so bright even he's like i don't know why they went for this cartoony art style i'm like i wouldn't go that far as a color to cartoony you gamer brain weirdo but they are really bright uh yes but yes so that that's why that's why uh that won't be happening but yeah uh, you might play a little split gate that was really fun when we played split gate for a couple nights Man, that was so good. See, I love to sit in the server for three hours. And yeah, that's, my friends it's and just play. not my. It's just my vibe at all. But I don't do it that much. Any, I, I just don't have like the kind of friends who are into the same right things, right? Like yeah. it just doesn't work out for me. But I do enjoy to do it. And like in high school, I did do that with like Modern Warfare three, like a lot. Yeah, in high school, a I was I was sitting in the dark playing RPGs by myself. That's why I'm like this now. <laughs> yeah, no, I was playing Kill Confirmed. No. Nope. Um, <laughs> Alex writes in with questions about each of the games. So shout out. Uh, Silent Bomber. Uh, the demo of Silent Bomber, the end of the prologue bit, was the first my first exposure to that kind of quote-unquote serious anime that I found incredibly compelling. Do you remember your earliest edgy anime encounter like that or outside of actual anime? Inside or outside. Either it's anime or not. Like, I, I remember seeing the Street Fighter 2 movie and being like, man, Chun-Li's naked. That's fucked up. <laughs> that was one of mine for sure. <laughs> um i mean mine is uh my first ever within a week of discovering anime i had watched episode 22 of code gears you can't beat that you just cannot beat that for like seeing the fucking matrix of everything i remember i mean the the opening video of rival schools i still think is like oh this is so fucking cool and edgy even though it's not (laughs) it's fucking not um but it just hit because i wasn't exposed that much anime when i played that game um yes Inertial Drift. Uh, shout out to any game where the right stick does something other than a camera. Bless you, Ape Escape. Bless you, my beautiful, transparent green DualShock. It is so uh, no, fucked up to me that Sony is just like, let Ape Escape die. <laughs> they've let so much die. They've let so much die. But like, they've always been like, oh, we need, like, even back in the day, they were like hunting for their mascot and they just like let seven of them die. <laughs> I mean, like, the the fact that, because I see a lot of people argue about this, like, oh, the Japan games just weren't selling. And you have to understand that wasn't really there. There was an entire corporate war going on in Sony, right, between the two departments of who's going to control. So, like, Sony USA doesn't want Sony Japan to sell because they're, they're like, the departments are at odds. They don't want each other's games to succeed. Uh, and the USA team won. And in so doing, basically just, like, killed off the other side as, like, culturally important mm-hmm. in a way that really fucking sucks because Ape Escape's a classic. Yeah. You know? Cat Gravity Rush, classic. In the fucking picture of look at all these Sony women that they cringingly posted one time. Yeah. Yeah, who's that, Sony? Do you even know? I don't think they know. I don't think they know. I don't know why this is the question for Bet and Brutal, but it is. If you were forced to have a gameplay video running over half the screen on anything you watched, what game would it be of? Why? Why is this the Bet and Brutal one? It's extremely uh, having a. I feel like this is in the that kind of like mode. 
Mm. You could put Ben and Brutale in the corner of a TikTok video. Oh, that's fair. I'm not, I don't use TikTok, so I don't really think about things like this. I, I also don't use TikTok, for the record, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just pick, like, GDQ runs generally, or do I have yeah, to actually <laughs> pick a specific game? I was literally about to say it would be uh, the um, every time they're doing a Pokemon Crystal versus KH2 randomizer phase. <laughs> Yeah, I guess mine would be like, I guess if I had to pick a specific game, it'd be like Super Mario World runs. That's a game I've watched literally hundreds of hours of, and I don't really get sick of it. Well, I've like, yeah. you know, ROM hacks of Super Mario World, because that's the that's the best Mario like move set in video games. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2D video games. Yeah, in, t- in 2D Mario video games, yes. Uh, the Red Lantern. Are we past the arc of game dog interactions being annoying just because of the Twitter account? Or does it still make you roll your eyes a bit? Uh, I haven't thought about it in a while. There have definitely been times I've been like, this is a bit annoying and uh, clearly. I, when a, when uh, a game, because I actually think Red Lanterns comes by it honestly because it's a game about, you it's know, a game about your dog. It does not count in yeah. this space. But yes. whenever, whenever I find a game where like nothing in the game is like interactable physics-y, but you can pet the dog, I'm like, why can't I push over a guy? Like, let me do all the things. <laughs> yes. When it's the only interactable, like bespoke thing they've done, I'm like, come on now. Yeah. Uh but you, I do think you've got me watching this YouTuber. What's the name, full name of the channel? It's like Obo Shoes Games. Obo Shoes Games. Who just Poop, played. I'm, oh, you go. No, you go, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I was going to. You okay. should introduce yourself. So he, he, he's a guy who mostly plays bad 360 slash PS4 era shooters, like exclusively. Um, yes. And talks about them. And one of the things he does every time is just like shoot objects around the world and like, do they move or not? And if they don't, the game is bad. And on some level, it's like, it's like kind of a bit, but it's not actually that much of a bit. It's still true. And on some level, it's like deeply gamer brained. But also, I do think that there's something to be said about video games where ha- that have 8,000 art assets, but none of them can move because we, you know, we made the game pretty, but it's just a backdrop. It might as well be pre rendered backgrounds at that point. Well, it'd, it'd be rude if he was applying it to indie games but he's generally not he's all usually playing some game that costs yes. way too much money from 2009 yes or it's or uh-huh. it's a small game but it's made entirely in like assets from ue4 yeah uh i've watched way too much of she has a whole fucking language of shit that has just become my go-to like it's very hard for me to not start saying shit like general bad guy when i'm talking about silent bomber <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because, like, watching his channel and, like, condensing down the cliches of this specific era of video games into, like, things that are always there. you always got the end of Modern Warfare 2 where you throw the knife, but you've always got, oh, it's General Bad Guy. He's here. Oh, I hate, like, working for evil. But he's basically Norris working for evil bit on some level as yeah. well. Uh, I'm like, man, there really is about six things that all video games at that time share of this shootery sci-fi genre. Uh, and they all have a fucking turret sequence. Yeah. <laughs> um gunships oh there's another gunship um yeah and uh so when when games don't have any of that stuff but do have the dog i do think oh right they've been poisoned by the meme um that's a shame because like one of the things about this era of games that i found really compelling like it's really literally the thing that got me to buy a 360 was watching my friend go into the fucking hospital in grand theft auto 4 and push a guy off the like fucking morgue gurney and the body just flopped to the ground like video games could be anything <laughs> which is stupid it's so, it's so crazy how much like euphoria physics was like a selling point of gta 4. for going back in time to gta yeah. 4 and telling you they it was real it, like it got me <laughs> But then telling you they never get better. They're like, no. they, this is like an abandoned cul-de-sac. Yeah. Uh, and I get even, why, because it doesn't yeah. make the game better at all. Not a single bit. 
Well, but like Rockstar have continued doing massive budget things that don't make the game better. So I don't think it's just that. That's true. Like they're still doing massive budget boondoggles that make the game have negligible impact on the video game I'm playing. Just not this specific one. Yeah. This one's lost its cred and its pull. Yeah. But like the graphics bullshit they're doing still has a pull with the the GTA Six posts have been driving me crazy. There are people on the internet who think it's going to be the second coming of Christ. It's crazy. I don't get. Genuinely not saying them. So I have no idea what you're talking about. They were posted like, here's what GTA 5 looked like uh, at launch, but here's what the pre-alpha of uh, uh, GTA 6 looked like. It's going to look even better at release, which is not necessarily how it works. Please don't say that to yourself. Uh, so they're cooking up the greatest game of all time. Look at the graphics. I'm just, oh, I hate gamers. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. that's fair. Uh, and then Alex, the second part of the question, what's the best video game dog, even despite all this? <sighs> The best video game dog. That's so hard. I don't know. My Nintendog that I left to die and starve 18 years ago. Does KK Slider count as a video game no, dog in this No, no, no one in Animal Crossing counts as an animal. Okay, fine. Um, you got to choose like D-Dog, who I do like, even though the game's kind of bad. By um, Angelo, kind of bad. Renoa's dog that she fires off her arm. That's a pretty fucking good dog. <laughs> that's a pretty good dog. And it's not like Red 13 doesn't count. Red 13's a person. <laughs> Uh, yes, like it has to be a actual dog, uh, and not a person, right? It's yeah. not like a talking. Uh, yeah, I think Angela might human. be my answer. It's a pretty good dog. Uh, yeah, I'm like this, this, that. I, I mean, I, the Fable Two dog, obviously. Mm, I mean, like on some level, like I was fond of my Fable Two dog, but I also feel like picking the Fable Two dog is like letting Peter Molyneux win. Uh, I just like the Fable Two dog. I like when the dog. I I think. The, one of the most coward things that a video game's ever done is that Fable 2 kills the dog. And that also brings it back. The two things, it does both. Do and you, I think both... Like, it does it twice because the, the game gives you... The final end of Fable... Spoilers for Fable 2. The final bit of the way. game is like, do you want $10 million? Do you want to resurrect all the dead people across the kingdom? Or do you want your dog back? And then me, being dumb and like 20, was like, well, I'm going to do the moral thing. and I'm going to bring back people of my kingdom. And then the DLC came and lets you get your dog back anyway. Fuck you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I did as well. I briefly, <laughs> I, I, I did the moral choice and then I briefly was without a dog for like the first 10 minutes and not Hull Island. Then I got my dog back. Yeah. Um, and if I play that game now, I just get the dog back because fuck the people. Who cares? They're not real. Uh, it's, it's moral choices in the fable are fucking stupid. <laughs> yes. And at no point did I need the $20 million because money, you're just tripping over money in that game. <laughs> um, uh, can I just say, uh, Kamaru is cool because Kamaru doesn't fucking talk and isn't an annoying child or some yelling cat or whatever. Actual dog. Uh, oh, Persona 3, Kamaru, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because the mascots became, like, talking guys that sucked afterwards. Uh, but Kamaru's a dog, and that's good. I like just a dog. Please. Oh, you mean, you. You, you mean Teddy, the fucking sexual harassment boy? <laughs> Yeah, and then Morgana, the cat who is annoying. I don't think Morgana is like a sexual serial sexual. Teddy, when Teddy takes off the costume and becomes a shitty little boy who's just like horny towards all the girls forever, it truly is one of the worst things that's ever happened in a video game. (laughs) It's remarkable that uh, we like Persona because you know we do. I don't like hate Persona. Yeah, no, I like Persona Four quite a bit, but man, does have some dog shit in it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played five, but I know Morgana being kind of irritating is a thing that is a joke that yeah. people say. Uh, Hilver writes in, when it comes to arcade racing games, I prefer games with real world cars. Do you have a preference for made up cars versus real world cars? I genuinely couldn't tell. 
if you told me the car was real, I'd, I mean, I kind of know who the manufacturers are, but I, I don't that, that, care that, about cars. You're, you're completely fronting. You would get 80 to 90% in a real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, quiz. I've never been like, oh, this car, I like this car. Thus, I'm going to drive. I genuinely don't think like that. Um, I've never driven a wide variety of cars in my life. Um, I don't care if the cars are real or not. I really genuinely don't. There are cars that I like to be in a video game because I like driving them in a video game. If you're making a video game, that the Subaru Impressor better be in that video game. That's what I'm saying about cars when you're driving them. Um, however, uh, generally speaking, I don't really care. Like, I like Burnout because you can do crashes, right? Like, it's yes. cool to do crashes. Uh, and I just get... Because they're all fictional to me. Like, I, there are car, I can see the cars in the road, right? I'm not like, outside of the world, but I haven't actually driven behind the wheel of any of them. So my only experience with, like, the feel of any of them is video games. Mm-hmm. So I have, like, beloved real cars and beloved fake cars, right? Like, it doesn't really make a difference to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just... I don't think about it like that. Um, you know, I've never, I've never had, like... Oh, this is the car I drive in a video game uh and thus i because i know for some people it's like oh i i played this i played with this car and thus i bought this car in real life and i like driving it uh, i've never had that um that seems like rich people shit to me uh <laughs> um and then the the further question is is there anything in games you prefer having the real world version e.g athletes or guns um i'll say wrestling games you need the real guys because half the fun is about the story that you make up in your head about why these guys are fighting and that requires you to have already been invested in the characters Oh, that's why Fire the, – the reason Fire uh, Pro Wrestling World became big finally in the U.S. is because they were able to put out a PC version where you could just upload your own guys that are non – you know, copyright infringing but not their fault. <laughs> if I could have a genie wish about video games, yeah, I would – one of the things I would do uh, is I would make it so that no sports game had any licensed people in them. And the whole, I would want to see the development of video games if you never had any licensed guys. Because or where they just have to make a compelling video game? They have to make a compelling video game. I mean, and you can, the like, problem do is that sports people like, the, much like I want the real wrestlers, they, they like the guys because they like the stories about the guys, right? You invest in people. Make up people that are good. That, like, this is the thing for me. Like, I'm playing the F1 game, right? I really like the F1 game. I haven't played it like, in like, a couple of years, but I like the F1 game. And the thing that's fun about that game is the different, like, I'm in this team and my my, my other driver is this guy and we're going back and forth and I get out, like, based on my on-track performance, I'm, like, close to other guys and have little rivalries there. Uh, they should be characters who can talk to me. I should care about beating some of them and, like, helping other guys, right? It is easy it's a good format like people like sports stories and not not the sports stories they're putting in video games where it's like you hanging out with the real guys or whatever that's layered on top i mean like i want the mechanical systems of a sports game to be able to be shaped in ways that they can't because licenses are in the room i mean my thing Uh, is my thing is like when people play let's say fifa I assume yes. they pick teams they already like because those teams represent yes. the, the 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 pros and cons of a team they're already invested in with players they already care about, and that's that is the investment. It happens for free because it's already guys you like. Yeah, I mean, I understand why licensed sports games are the one. Like, obviously, I, I when I get to a sports game, I'm gonna play the sports teams I like. Yeah. When I bought FIFA back in the day, I'd always play Chelsea. Maybe not anymore because I, you know, that was my dad's team yeah. and it was a complicated legacy or whatever. But I supported Chelsea as a kid. I played Chelsea in the video game. Pretty yeah. easy uh, to see how that that goes. Um, but I definitely think when I've played sports games, I'm always thinking like, I want the like simulation elements and the ways in which you are up against other teams and people in this competition to reflect more interesting dynamics that you can't do because every single 
Like every single team on the F1 game has to be happy. You can't make any of them be evil, right? Yes. Uh, you can't make any of them cheat. You can't, I want like fake sports players so you can do like the plot of fucking sports animes in a video game yeah. functionally. Um, so I guess uh, I'll be there when Inazuma 11, uh, whatever the hell, finally drops. Yeah, I will not. I don't care. Um, and I've never cared about a real gun versus a fake gun in my life. I don't really know anything about guns. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> All the guns in Metal Gear Solid 5 were fake. Uh, and I found that out like months later. I was like, oh, were they? Okay. Yeah. Oh, Metal Gear used to have real guns, but now it has fake guns? Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't okay. know. I guess it did. Metal Gear mostly had fake guns, but in 6 they were real. In, uh, sorry, in 3 they were real, because it was the 60s, yeah. where real guns existed. But then they did fake ones. Yeah. I, didn't even no- I didn't even notice that the fake AK wasn't called an AK. I was like, okay, sure, whatever. I don't care about guns. Um, Olivia writes in, going off the grab bank theme of this episode, what game is the perfect example of a mixed bag, AK the most overused term in video game discourse? It's not really discourse review language um what's uh fun for all the fans <laughs> fans of the genre fans of the genre uh basically every metroidvania is uh fans of the genre that's true mixed bag mixed bag the uh portable kingdom hearts games oh that's not a bad answer i like that um what is my mixed bag um the problem is most of the mixed bag mixed bag games I like I would really stump for like really hard because I'm like um, does does Metro Prime Two count I feel like people call it that but I really like it. I think it's really good. Metro mm, Prime Two does I I feel like mixed bag just like leans negative even though it, the words just say mixed but I feel yeah. like it leans more negative than like Metro Prime Two. Uh, the Order 1886 love that there game. you go mixed bag it's a mixed bag. <laughs> Uh, Uncharted 1, I think, is an underappreciated video game. Everyone acts like it's a bad video game. I think they're out of their minds. No. Uncharted 2 is right there, sucking. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, it's cra- Uncharted 2 being so obviously the worst Uncharted game if you play it in like a modern context, and you go, why was 2 the one that blew up? I don't know. Sometimes I truly don't understand it at all. Um, Wudaba writes in, if we take some of the Bomber to be in conversation with Bomberman, what other classic arcade-style games would you love to play an edgy 90s anime OVA version of? Cyberpunk Libble Rabble? Dark Donkey Kong? I had to look up Libble Rabble. I didn't know what the fuck that was. I was like, is this some European shit I've never heard of? And no, it's not. It's an Namco game. But <laughs> I was immediately dismissive. I'm like, what's this? It sounds like some fucking uh, ZX Spectrum game I've never heard of. Mr. Driller. Dig dug. What would you do? How do you how do you edge it up? What do you do? Conversation it like what do you do? Okay, well there's two brothers. <laughs> <laughs> the dad dies. He's like I'm gonna be the oh, real. Oh, Dick driller. Douglas dies. Damn. <laughs> Dick Douglas dies, but then his son is like the evil son who's like I'm gonna drill really far down. <laughs> and he, he just like likes to drill for fun. Uh, but he, his brother keeps taunting him that he's evil now. Uh, he loves to drill for the for the killing and the the prizes. Uh, <laughs> This is a bit about the giant bomb predictions for the Asteroids movie. Which never aren't happened. Aware of, yes, which never happened, obviously. But we are referencing a 14-year-old You are referencing bit. this. I, uh... Don't act like you didn't know exactly what it was instantly. <laughs> I did, but I didn't, I didn't play along. I just let you go. <laughs> uh, but I do think... I, I would like Evil Dick Dug. I would like um, a... Game with the aesthetics, not actual mechanics, but the aesthetics of a Dark Souls game, but it's Joust. <laughs> Which is a game about knights flying on giant ostriches trying to kill each other. 
that's ridiculous. Yes. And now imagining like um balloon fights. <laughs> <laughs> the balloons are like cyber things. Yeah. Um Dia writes in. I've been stuck in a quagmire of big games for years now since starting my life in games journalism. And even when I've had the chance for smaller games, they've rarely been things you can pick up, play for a bit, and then put back down. What are three of your favorite games that are easy to pick up and play? Bonus points if they're not driving or sports games. Shit. <laughs> I can't say pool nation. God damn it. Um, well, I've got I've got a couple of choices for you. There's always uh there's always fucking super hexagon, the most perfect video game ever made. It's okay. I mean, you can, you can't pick it up and put it down. That's damn true. I, I downloaded Binding of Isaac the other day and played a little Binding of Isaac. I finally bought that last DLC. That's a game. Pick up and play. You got. Here's the thing: is I really think most people have like one or two roguelikes in them, and you really got to find the one for you. And it's card because you have to invest a lot to figure out if it's the right one. And then you go, well, I put 10 hours in this and I think I don't like it. And you're like, man, that was just time I pissed away for nothing. Uh, and thankfully, I found mine really early. Um, that's just playing a video game. That most of the video games you play have ten hours and move yeah, that's on. True. But you just, it just feels different for you when it's not a roguelike for some reason. Yep. Uh, I play a lot of Sudoku. Uh, it, I, I use the cracking the cryptic apps. Does that count as a video game? I do like them. Yeah, this is hard for me because like my answers are sports games. Like I, it, it doesn't it doesn't come up much, right? But remember when I would like show up and like yeah, well, I just kind of hang out and played Pro Evo. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll I'll play a mission of Tony Hawk when there's a Tony Hawk out. Um games that are fucking dead and don't exist anymore stuff yeah. like that but that is kind of where i put my i'm picking just things up time i pick put it in the driving game and put it in sports games yeah mine are usually like a platformers of some kind uh just you know mm. pick at them short level based ones that are kind of a little too difficult that's where my head's at i was playing some fly wrench the other day yeah rhythm games rhythm games are great for that you can play like three songs be like i'm full and then leave it for another couple months i should reinstall clone hero yeah there you go uh, Crystal Raid said, how come they haven't made a game with swimming controls as good as Majora's Mask? Uh, Tomb Raider Underworld came out after Majora's Mask, so it's been beaten. I wouldn't know. <laughs> For I played Majora's Mask on the 3DS when the swimming controls were bad. They're not bad. They're It's fine. They, they're pretty... It, come on. Like, come on. No, they're pretty bad. No, it's, it's, it's like, I would prefer to be doing the fast Did you look at video of the other... It's not that different. It's like the same fucking thing. People are out of their minds. It's not that different. It's not that different. It's... I mean, I understand that you are putting a stop to the Nintendo YouTubers who are like, everything has to be, this is such a precious game above, you know, I understand what, I understand why you're like, it's fine. And I do generally agree. I prefer the 3DS version, but I would much prefer to have the fast swimming that feels good all the time. I like to move good in a video game. Anyway, my, my answer is still uh, Tomb Raider Underworld, which is not like a great game, but I do love the swimming in it. The swimming's pretty cool in it. It opens with a great big underwater level that's really sick. Uh yeah, and then they had about twenty dollars to make the rest of the game. <laughs> they really did. Uh, writes in since arcade racing games are so rare these days. What are your favorites? What makes for a great arcade racing game in the first place? Um, I mean, I've already answered. Like you know, Burnout, Outrun, National Drift is really good. I haven't played as much Rift Drift as I wanted. So I've already kind of like said the things for this one. Uh, but I don't necessarily know like what are my like the tenets of of racing games. Um, well, let's see. I played some Ridge Racer earlier this year. Ridge Racer seems good. As far as I can tell, they're all the same video game. So if you like one Ridge Racer, play the others. Um, I played R4 and I like type, type 4, R4. I don't remember. I keep thinking it's one and it's the other. Um, awful. And, uh, 
I um I recently played so- after we did Shenmue, I reinstalled Sonic All-Stars Racing. The one that has like knights and not the most recent one, the one before Transformed. That. Transformed. Transformed, yes. 2013 Steam game. That game, fucking great. <laughs> Love it. That's a really good arcade racing game. Uh, I think it's like really annoying about its unlocks. I kind of got to the point where I have to play everything on hard if I want to unlock more stages, and I'm not good enough to unlock everything on hard. And I don't want to get good <laughs> enough to unlock everything on hard. You just wanted to see the stages. Yeah, I just wanted to see the stages. Um, I always really liked San Francisco Rush, the arcade slash N64 game. I had it on N64. Um great game uh if you want a really cool arcade racing game diddy kong racing is a 64 game that is a mario kart clone but it has like a story mode and like missions and like it has like a hub world like mario 64 does um and like boss fights and stuff and it's really cool um that's a game that nintendo weirdos always talk up but i think it's genuinely pretty good and i think if you're not a nintendo weirdo you probably not played it so uh yeah no i haven't um extreme g I liked Extreme G back in the day. That's the motorcycles that go Mach 1. If you can get over 600 miles an hour, the sound drops out because you've broken the sound barrier. Sick. Fucking nice. sick. Yeah. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Star Wars Episode 1 uh, Racer, obviously. One of the classics of video games. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, what do you need to make a good arcade racer? And everything I think about is, like, clearly not true. Like, I would say, well, generally, I would want, like, uh, good courses uh, and, like, consistent ai with no rubber banding so you can actually like feel yourself progressing i think there is i think there's a place for ai uh or rubber band the, the problem with rubber band ai is that everyone always thinks of like i'm getting blue shell to death because i'm in first place but sometimes it's like i'm not good at the game and it eases up a little and i appreciate when it does that you know <laughs> yeah but i'm like Burnout Paradise has literally none of it. Like, it is completely open. The races yeah. are basically always... Ne- it doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah. Uh, there's almost no video game there. And yeah, it's still perfect. So, like, clearly nothing. Just make the game feel really good. I don't fucking know. Mm. I don't have any good, like, design rules for arcade Wipeout's races. good. All the Wipeouts basically are good. Uh, you know. The problem is that I'm, I'm naming games that are dead and have been dead for decades. That's just where arcade racers are at. So... Yeah, as every YouTuber who plays racing games is constantly complaining about. Yeah, I've been recently thinking that I should play Blur in Split Second, games I did not play the first time. I'm like, I should go back and see what those are all about. Blur is okay, but I don't really like the Mario Kartness of it. Uh, I like uh, Mario Kart more than you, so I probably will enjoy it. I liked Project Gotham Racing, and I was wanted it to be a Project Gotham Racing, and then they killed... You know, it definitely is not a Project Gotham Racing. <laughs> I was like, oh, you made a Project Gotham Racing, but it's a fucking Mario Kart. Why did you do that? It was fine. I, I like well, I The answer is Mario Kart sold more copies than basically every game on Earth put together. Other it than GTA hadn't 5. at the time. <laughs> to be clear, it hadn't at the time. I think Mario Kart was just well sold. I think it was just one of the... I mean, Mario Kart's always been very well pressure. sold, but yeah, nothing's like 8, no, eight is Not out. to this yes. level. This is a recent phenomenon of Mario Kart 8 has literally sold more copies than every video game except GTA 5 and maybe Minecraft. <laughs> yes! uh mario i need to actually look mario kart eight sales what's the number um 65.47 million sold oh that's just too many the fuck yeah (laughs) well it is uh on the list and this is the wikipedia list so maybe it's wrong um but it is number six on the list okay yeah, is Wii Sports above it? I assume. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, above it is PUBG. Oh, sure. PUBG Battlegrounds, which I'm like. No, the thing with PUBG no and even Minecraft to a certain extent is a lot of those are bought when those games were very cheap. I assume I just don't count them in the same way. 
I'm like that. There's no way. And Mario Kart Eight has never been cheaper than thirty dollars a, a copy. <laughs> that has to be including every mobile download as well, because yeah. I'm like, there's no, there's no way that like just on computer PUBG beat Mario Kart Eight. Yeah. I'm sorry, it just didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Mr. Battlegrounds would love to have. Sorry, Mr. Unknown uh, would love to have the Mario Kart Eight money. As <laughs> uh, we sports about that, which yes, that's eighty two thousand. Um, eighty-two million. Uh, Tetris EA one one hundred million, and I'm like, what? What do you mean Tetris? You mean the PS3 one? No, they mean the mobile one. So uh, mobile games don't count. This is so cheating to me. Uh, oh, you got hundred million people to spend a dollar on Tetris. That's not as imp- that's not as impressive as selling eighty-two million copies of Wii Sports. I'm sorry, just, just a I mean, thing. to be fair, even Wii Sports has a caveat because it's a pack-in for the Wii in North America. At least was it in Europe too? I don't know. GTA Five has 190 million sold yeah that's that's the real shit that's like no one gets that number gta 6 will not get that number they think they're going to they're they're spending a billion dollars or whatever making gta 6 and i'm like why would you think you were gonna hit the moon again yeah like there's no way and i know they're doing the like they bought the roleplay server so they can they're like gonna try to monetize them now i hope uh, they crash and burn and rockstar goes away that's my fondest hope as an accelerationist the role players are not happy about that oh, I bet. because you know the, the whole it falls apart if you have to pay money for every little thing that doesn't that's not role play anymore yeah uh and then my minecraft has 300 million copies the exponential growth on the top of this list is ridiculous yeah there are there are many times in minecraft's life where it's very cheap though so i feel like that's a one that i'm going to caveat uh little um but i'm like this list Red Dead Redemption 2 is a game that they basically said underperformed and it sold 57 million. So outrageous. It has sold more than I would say every other non-Nintendo normal game on this list. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That was the last email. If you'd like to send in questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast.gmail.com. Next month, December, we are going to finish off the year by playing finally Final Fantasy 15. Uh, we're gonna have a guest for that. Molly's gonna be joining us, assuming nothing Bye. goes wrong. Um I'm so excited. So here's the thing with that. We are going to be talking in that episode about the game Final Fantasy 15 and all of its As DLCs. As it exists today. Yes, and all of its DLCs. Uh, episodes, uh, I think it's Gladiolus. Prom- I think it's your party. Prompto, and Ignis, and Arden. Arden. I'm trying to get them in order, but I don't remember. Don't worry. Just play them in the way they are on the menu and you'll get them all in the right order. Um, play the game first yes. and the DLCs. It's the yeah. only thing. We will be talking about that stuff. As a, in a VoIP life, which might be free, might not, will depend when we how good it is when we record it. We <laughs> yes, will then be talking about Brotherhood, Kingsglaive, the book, and all the rest of the bullshit that is Final Fantasy XV's orbit accoutrement, space garbage around one of the best games, all of its dog shit. Um, <laughs> I ordered a copy of Final Fantasy XV, Day One Edition. Which I'm not playing until after we've recorded the first episode. Oh but I did end God. up doing it. All right, I'm not going to do that. You can't make me do that. I'm too curious. I'm too curious. I, well, I'm probably not going to like play it again. Because you got like most, most of the differences scene. are in the back third of the game. You got to play most of the game again. Well, well, maybe I'm wasting my money, but we'll see what I do. <laughs> okay, I do think I'm, I do I'm, have a day one edition for PS4 that Dia bought me at some, or she just had it and sent it to me at some point. I do think I still have that around. I playing. I'm playing this game on my Xbox Three uh, Series X at 60 frames a second. 
runs great. That is how I will be playing the regular. That's how I'm playing it for the episode. Yeah. But, uh, between after we recorded the episode and we're getting into the because like, basically we're siloing off the production talk and the like spectacle of the game they cancelled two years after it was out. Yes. Uh, and the game they were trying to wreck on. I would on really like that of mapping to be about the game Final Fantasy 15, which I think has merit on its own as a singular piece of media. Uh, yes. And then I will let Jackson and uh, me talk about they cancel the game to your really stupid shit. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, I understand, like, people probably be expecting a significant amount of that talk on the episode because we do bring it up all the time and it is one of the funniest things that's ever happened. But we're going to actively try to sign up yes. and do a different pod. This is my, this is my, like, really firm request on this one because I love yes. Final Fantasy 15. I'm, re- I'm like, 15 hours into replaying it already. Uh, I might spend as much time on a new game plus as I spent on the original playthrough. Um, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. Um, my third favorite Final Fantasy. Though there's a, like one asterisk there where my number two entry is the Final Fantasy X duo. I'm counting as one video game. <laughs> yeah. It's my list. I can do what I want. Uh, it's crazy that i will do that with the 10 games but uh i even though i haven't played them yet i probably won't count the 13 games in one entry They're i don't three yeah i don't games. yeah no, they, they feel very different to me they accomplish very different things and i i feel like and 10 is like 10 to 10 to are different playing games but my yes. my opinion of them is elevated by them in tandem in a way that's not true of 13 is like a trilogy um mm-hmm. even though i like i mean i haven't played lightning returns but i like 13 and 13 too quite a bit 13 too especially man it's a fucking good video game uh yeah. anyway that's that's the clear delineation on what that 15 episode is going to look like so please expect us to talk about the goddamn video game and not comrades i'm not playing comrades for anything i thought about it i have like i looked at comrades and i've in, i've installed comrades i'd like to play comrads but i would like well, to play if you play with comrades you got to play it after chapter 13 but before chapter 15 no 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 because i went and looked up which order should i play the games in and every single thing was trying to like chronologically splice things together it's like oh after chapter one pause the game and watch kingclave and i'm like are you crazy i want to release at all the end of chapter please. one is the video game does give you a little montage of events in kingsclave be like oh kingsclave happening here please insert your blu-ray disc if you have one <laughs> It, it doesn't say please no but it might as well because it's like all of the big money shots of the city being attacked by the weird weapon fake weapon in uh kingsglaive well you know what they should have patched kingsglaive in if they actually patched it in like the whole 19 like anyone's buying kingsglaive <laughs> it'd be so funny if you could like optional download 100 gigabytes it's kingsglaive oh in blu-ray quality fucking worst movie you've ever seen here you go <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so funny god um, anyway, anyway yeah, that, very excited. that is it for the Emerald Mapping. That'll be it for our year when you finish that. Um, please remember, we're going to go into Rebirth in March, so prep your downloads today, I guess. I still haven't pre-ordered it. I, should I haven't pre-ordered it either. Um, I mean, I will when they allow me to preload it, because that's a good reason to pre-order anything. Um, it's not like it's going to be cheap. we got to play it immediately. I have to buy it for full price either way, so... Well, yeah, I should just spend the money. Like the earlier I spend the money, the more free it is when it arrives. I don't know why my brain works that way. No, it's no, just no. true. Um, where can people find you online? Find me online at headfallsoff on twitter.com. You can find the other podcast that we do at Abnormal Mapping. We just brought Repro Screenings back because uh, the strike ended and we're doing movie podcasts again. So please look forward to all of that. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. You can find, uh, you can support our podcast at patreon.com slash normal mapping for $1 a month. You get the great Gundam project. We're currently watching Gundam double O and Rose of Versailles. It's been a great time for $5. You can watch me play tactics most weeks. Uh, I have to record that after this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I might do that tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see. Um, 
because this has been a long recording day. This episode's almost three hours long. Um, and uh, for $5, you also get Blockbusters, which is our other movie podcast where we watch big, dumb Hollywood movies. That's coming back in December with G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. <sighs> for $10, you get VoIP Life, where every two weeks we goof off, uh, talk about some bullshit as a thank you for people who would like to support us. Those podcasts have often been about video games. They're often pretty funny. If you want to hear our best 100 games of all time list that we did recently, that's a four-hour episode that you can listen to. Um ridiculous uh there's a lot of game talk on fight life so if you like abnormal mapping and would like more free-ranging game talk we've done a lot of it on this episode actually you can check out fight life uh there's a lot of good stuff there um i am on dia's let's plays again youtube.com slash at dia every week we're playing uh laura bow in the dagger of amon Ra. we just started that so look forward to that for the next couple weeks probably through the end of the year would be my guess um and wherever the wind will take us after that I really wanted to play start one of the Star Trek adventure games with me so I can fully bring my Picard bullshit to bear. But uh, so far, she is not bitten. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, yeah, I mean, D doesn't have the Star Trek spark like you do. No, but I will. I will. I will deeply enjoy when she finally capitulates and we spend hours talking about some dumb Star Trek lore that she doesn't care about. And I get to over explain my hyperfixation <laughs> to her. Uh, oh, this is actually the the Picard did this at this place or whatever. It's not though. You know that's not how I actually think about it. I <laughs> uh, no, but there will you there will someone will like mention like the Romulans and you'll be like, oh, this actually happened in Enterprise or whatever. It'll be that kind of bullshit. No, because all those games it's are so- from the nineties, so it, it won't be any of that bullshit. Well, but will the Romulans not be in it? I don't know. I mean, I just don't think I'm, I won't be reminded of Enterprise by anything that's made in the nineties. Is there any way that Cybok can come up? That's what I'm. Oh I'm no, I wish Star the Star Trek. I, I follow the Star Trek like account, like the, the I don't know Star Trek film. Maybe I don't know. They did a birthday thank you to the guy who played Cybok because he is. I think he's dead, but his birthday was the other day, and I was like, man, I love Cy- Cybok. Is so important to me and me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they should do something with Cybok. They brought him up in Stranger Worlds to do nothing with him. So far, uh, they'll get that. They'll get that. You'd hope. Uh, anyway, thanks everybody. That's enough Star Trek talk. Uh, we will be back next month for abnormal mapping. Until then, we don't have an outro for this podcast, so thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.